A world in ruins and brothers betrayed, the vengeful spirit has finally left the orbit of Istvan III. Countless brother Astartes lay cold in the ground, betrayed by their own gene fathers. Whatever has possessed the minds of these four sons of the Emperor, we may never know. However, reports abound of a ship under fire jumping into the warp away from the fleet may yet be a herald of light in these darkest of times. Stay tuned, brothers. Radio Free Istvan will continue to broadcast updates on the movements of the Trader Warmaster. And remember, the Emperor protects. What's going on, Radio Free Istvan listeners? And welcome to episode 54 of Radio Free Istvan, a Horse Heresy 30K podcast. My name is Michael, and I have my co host here, Ryan. Go and say what's going on, Ryan. What's happening, everybody? <laughs> <laughs> and this is a bittersweet episode. It's going to be a, a good episode because we do have some lists to go over and everything like that. But unfortunately, uh, this will and there's there's going to be some changes that we're going to be making in in the Radio Free Estevan world. Um, and I think I think Ryan 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 I think you're gonna you're gonna tell it best. Um, Hold on, let me before before we go over these changes, let me explain what this episode is going to be about. Let me go ahead and say okay. what we got coming up for you guys. That way, you guys know, like before you start getting all your tissues and everything ready, like get you you know to dry up those tears that you'll have. Um, let me go and let you know what what you're in for. So first off, we're going to go over our normal intro that we do every every uh, every episode. We're gonna have a little bit of hobby progress. Then we have Tristan's bus story. He actually finally sent the audio, and that was actually where we're trading Tristan a bus story for an Imperial Fist list. So hopefully he, that's going to be really good for you guys. Uh, then we have uh, one, two, three, four, five lists we're going to go over. We're going to go over questions first from some emails. We think we have four or five email questions that we're going to go ahead and go over. And then we have five lists that we're going to go ahead and cover uh, first one's going to be a 3,000-point Death Guard Reaping list. The second's going to be a 3,000-point World Eater Crimson Path list. Then a 1,500, 2,500-point Pride of the Legion Imperial Fist list. That's going to be used at uh, Music City Heresy. Powerful Dave Sampson. And then a 2,000-point Alpha Legion Pride of the Legion list. A 2,500-point Iron Warriors Iron Fire list. So we're going to go ahead and cover those lists. Those are kind of the lists that we missed last week while uh, Ryan was enjoying this sweet, sweet glacier water and, um, I guess, blood sausage. I'm, I'm hoping you got some blood sausage at some point, but from I guess not. No, just pizza the whole time? Was it pizza the whole time? And cheeseburgers. And I had some fish okay. and chips once. What else did I have? A lot of Lucky Charms. I ate two boxes of Lucky Charms. Dry. Never had milk for it. Never had a bowl of Lucky Charms. Just dry Lucky Charms out of the box. Do they keep trying um, to like offer you goat's milk or what? No, it's just like, we just had to eat in the car, like on the move. And fucking foods are so expensive. We went to the grocery store and just bought like shit that we could eat in the car. So I like they had Lucky Charms. I was like, I can just fucking eat handfuls of Lucky Charms. Eh, that works. So anyway. So that's what we have for y'all. We also have a sad announcement we're going to make. Um, I guess we should just make the announcement at the beginning. Like, during the intro, just get it out of the way so people know what's happening. If they're... Our patrons know. Uh, there's a spe- We have a special Patreon chat. We actually probably had, like, an hour and a half long talk before this episode <laughs> even started. 
about what's going down, everything like that, and some of the changes that are going to be made. And uh, they're actually in the live chat right now watching. People are doing awesome stuff in the with us. It's pretty cool. They just jump. They actually fucked up that raptor that just jumped that <laughs> hill. I know. I've seen that video. So anyway, let's go into intro. Let's talk about it. What's going on, Ryan? Like what? Like I guess we should first like explain that horse heresy is like officially moving to eighth edition. Is that that's I mean that's pretty much correct. If you don't if you don't get your news from Facebook or anything like that, or if you know for some reason you're just out of the loop, uh, face uh, Forge World released in their digital edition uh, a small little caveat that your red book will not be in use for very long but you could still use all the great fluff and art in your red book yeah so there was a small disclaimer that was released (laughs) and the disclaimer basically said that uh in the future the games will be changing to a to the eighth edition format will be the which will be using the eighth edition rules uh but a horse heresy version of the eighth edition rules uh, and so they they won't the red books will no longer be used or normal. So basically, they the, all the rules will be changing. Um, however, uh, one of the things that I mean this this immediately like wildfire caught across the community. You know, I heard it on different podcasts. I know the the Long War talked about it and everything like that. It just it kind of went everywhere. Everybody kind of talked about. Uh, this change that was happening and how your black books and red books were going to be invalidated, everything like that. And there was no time frame given of when that was going to happen. Uh, however, some reason this made it after this made it across the community and it was on everybody's plate and everybody understood it. They offered the retraction that was kind of like, they, they completely took that little snippet off and had a retraction that was, uh, well, we're still going to use the red book for now. Um, but eventually things will be changing, but we don't have a, a timeline on when it will be changing. And then, so, I mean, of course, you know, it's kind of, uh, somebody, it looks like somebody maybe slipped up, released everything a little bit too early that eighth edition was, was on the horizon. Um, and so, I mean, kind of a, I mean, they, they did definitely, they backtracked quite a bit. And uh, our buddies over at the uh, Geno 5.2 actually sent an email into Forge World asking them a question on uh, on whether or not they were moving over to 8th edition or maybe we can get some exact timeline on when we could expect the books to to still be used or anything like that. And, and I guess I could read off Forge World's response. Uh, this was uh, Stuart from Geno 5.2 actually sent the question in. He's, and they, they responded... Uh, thanks for contacting us. Please accept our apologies for the delay in replying. We certainly appreciate your questions, and we'll do our best to, res- to answer them. Uh, it will be the plan to eventually update the Horus Heresy rules to be compatible with the new edition of the 40K rules, as this makes logical sense. Your reasoning is spot on here, as there is a vast amount of work that would need to be done by our studio to make these changes, and they each mostly have only one pair of hands, we also want to present any updated Horus Heresy rules in a comprehensive and full manner as possible to avoid any players feeling left out with their armies not being playable. We do not have any information regarding when any changes will be made or when any new releases will be available currently. 
Sorry. As it is likely to be some time until any new Horus Heresy rules will be released, we don't think that the Forge Studio will make any announcements regarding this soon, but rest assured, as soon as more information is available, we will announce it. So that's official Forgeable response. Like, and you also had the snippet. Like, it's definitely moving to eighth edition uh, rule set. So, so that's in the future. Um, so, so with that in mind, Ryan is gonna uphold his promise of good. Ryan, what what are you gonna do? Well, it's uh, pretty predictable. I'm not going to play Age of Thirty K. I'm good. So. I will be uh, taking my talents to South Beach and <laughs> playing something <laughs> else, miniature wargaming, that's not a GW product. So Ryan will be leaving the Games Workshop community, Forge World Games Workshop community. And so this this will be Ryan's last episode. Yep, I'm not going to, uh, like I was telling Michael, I don't want to be that TV show that is like five or six good seasons and then they stumble through like four more just to hit syndication. Like I'm not going to be on a podcast and be fake (laughs) and like try to be enthusiastic about something I'm not enthusiastic about anymore. So... Uh, I just wanted to, you know, say goodbye and come on and give you guys one more, you know, positive episode. And we had a backlog of lists, and I didn't think it was fair to not do these, so uh, I did them. <laughs> and I mean, I didn't really cut any corners. Uh, one of them, I think, you know, people I guess could accuse me of, but I, I really didn't. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I just wanted to make sure it was good, and uh, I felt like I owed it to you guys for being such good listeners. Like, I really do love doing this show, man. Like, a lot. I'm really going to miss it. Well, we're going to miss you, Ryan. We're going to miss you in the community. I mean, you're, you're, uh, you're a, a big, you're a big uh, icon, idol in the community. You got a fan that. base and everything. <laughs> well, I'm sorry to disappoint the six of you. <laughs> so um, I'll still be around. Like it's not like I'm. I'm still going to do miniatures wargaming. I'll still be doing hobby stuff. So I'll you know I'll be at Nova. I'll be at Adepticon. I'll be at Gen Con. Um, I'm still going to run my uh, biweekly game club. And I'm not selling any of my terrain or tables or any of that. So if you're ever in the India area, want to come play with us, you can. Like all that, none of that's changing. I just, I personally am not going to play any GW products. And that's your that's your prerogative, man. I mean, the uh, the whole possible seventh edition to 30k transition definitely had a uh, a big effect on you. I mean, you could tell that there was certain times where it was frustrating for you. It was a, uh, um, I mean, you were obviously very like woke. You were very aware of what was, what was ahead of us. And, uh, you called it a long time ago. And so I mean, at this point, you know, if, if anything, yeah. Then... I mean, like, that's what we talked about. I mean, 
me leaving is not a surprise. I mean, I the, like I am not uh, like as soon as I knew, like the the minute that I read Stewart's the the email that he sent in Red Forge World response, like it was like the the thinking was over. It was I I just needed to hear what they were doing. The decision was already made, and the decision was made when I quit 40k um, years ago. So, um, cause I felt like, I mean, I've had my foot out the door, one foot out the door for a long time on games workshop. I just, I had, uh, I had a bunch of, uh, heresy models already cause I was building cause I liked the model so much and I really honestly wanted to play heresy anyway, but I was still playing 40 K, but I built a lot of my 40 K armies using the heresy models, but I didn't have anyone to actually play heresy with. When 40 K started becoming a shit show, I just totally abandoned 40 K and then really, started getting on like social media and pushing my game club into the direction of 30k and i was hoping because like 30k other than like the aeronautica game the imperial whatever it was yeah the little ship game that forge world made other than yeah. that game there wasn't ever a game under the games workshop umbrella that a different design studio from the main studio did and I liked what they were doing with uh, 30K. And I thought that maybe this was like a part of Games Workshop where they would let the artists actually do their thing and create a game they wanted to create. And even though it was under the umbrella of the Evil Empire, I thought that I could maybe carve out a little niche and be safe or somewhat safe. And I don't know. I guess I was kind of lying to myself. So the day has come where that is my ideas of what I thought it maybe was or could be have been proven false and I'm moving on. Well, uh, do you have any games in mind you're picking up? Where are you, where are you going? Yeah, like, I mean, you, we talked about it on here. Uh, I got a bunch of Battletech stuff. I'm actually, I painted up uh, or not paint, I primed a bunch of stuff, assembled and primed a bunch of stuff. Last night I got the models right here. I was working on them a little bit even before the patrons jumped on. And um, I'm really pumped to get into uh, Dark Age. So they got a... Uh, the rule book that it's using is currently from 2013 and they're actually getting their new rule book in two weeks. So I'm kind of getting nothing on the ground floor of that. No shit. Because so, um, that game is an older game. It's been around for a while. And they're... I guess modernizing it. The miniatures were... Uh, not exactly up to the standard <laughs> of today's miniatures. And Cool Mini or Not, I guess, scooped up the game underneath their umbrella. And uh, have been going through and redoing all the miniatures. And now I feel like they're some of the best miniatures out there. I would argue... Like, I mean, I, I, I picked the game up because I literally walked around Adepticon and looked in all the miniature cases and thought they had the best miniatures at Adepticon. That's why I picked the game up. Um, and I also talked to them about the ethics of their company, and that greatly appealed to me. And the, uh, were you, like, the investment point, like what you needed to play, uh, how they treated their rules... 
I did a little research on Facebook about how their community runs and all that, and it just it re- it really appealed to me. It's it's definitely what I'm looking for. So fuck yeah, I'll be getting into that. And then uh, as far as BattleTech goes, I've always I played BattleTech a long time ago. It's uh, I I was playing BattleTech back when I started playing uh, 40k in the 90s. The reason I just really haven't played BattleTech a lot because the models were shit. <laughs> Like, they were, like, super, like, from the fucking early 80s, like the Raupartha ones, and the sculpts really haven't changed much. They're pretty shitty. Um, as the timeline, as the game progressed, uh, the newer sculpts are nice, but they've never went back and redone the old ones. So if you play a model, or if you play a, a miniature, like, if you if you choose a mech that's from the original 3025 timeline, like a Panther, that fucking sculpt is from 1987, and it's never been updated. <laughs> um so Could it's terrible imagine? so if you want to yeah it looks bad so anyway what's happened is some of the newer ones like if you play in the later timelines because BattleTech is it's like a fake historical game kind of like 30k so you can say we want to play you know 3070 so then what that means is there's books that all have dates on the spine of them so you would literally grab your 3070 book and all the books before and you can play anything up to 3070 um, and then there's books that happen after that, but obviously, because it's a fake historical game, that wouldn't be available to you if you decided to play that timeline. So anyway, things from the later timeline, the models uh, look a lot better. And then on top of that, there's a new Battletech computer game that came out, MechWarrior Online, I believe, and someone was clever enough to take the 3D sculpt in the game that they used the 3D model to represent the the you know, the the mechs in the video game itself. And yep. they yep. took that 3D model and somehow plugged it into, like, a 3D printer and printed the computer 3D model into a, you know, like, Shapeways or whatever 3D-style printed miniature. And then they took that and cast it, like, made a mold of it, and then they cast them in pewter. So they're really nice-looking, updated, modern-looking models. So basically, I've always liked BattleTech. Haven't played it because the models are shit, but the models are finally at a level where it's good. And the the system, I've always liked the rules. Um, the way BattleTech does it, they still have the original rules called Classic BattleTech, where it's hex based. And then they came out with a adaptation where you can play those same rules, but they switched where you don't need hexes. You can just play on normal terrain, like 30k and 40k people are used to. But both okay. systems are available can choose it's not like they invalidated one you can just pick whichever one you want and then they came out with a version called alpha strike because battletech has a lot of bookkeeping it's super in-depth like if people think like seventh edition or any edition of 40k or 30k is intense or has lots of rules or cuts like go look at battletech it's like the battletech technical manual has more fucking crazy shit in it than probably all of the rules that 30 that games workshop has ever put out like it's it's fucking beyond in depth so anyway like that's how normal battletech is they created a version called alpha strike that made it more of like what you would call like a modern skirmish game where you can play a game in an hour you know type thing yeah. Um, and then they did the same thing for that, where you can play it in hexes, or you can play it with just inches, like on a standard tabletop. But once again, they didn't like throw out the baby with the bathwater. They just made all those systems available. And whenever they 
come out with new shit. They just update all of it. So you can kind of choose what timeline you want to play in, and you can choose which of the four versions of the game you want to play, and there's rules for all that. Well, that sounds like way more complicated than 30K, 40K. Maybe um, a little bit. So game itself isn't once you get... I mean, you can... Where it gets complicated is if you want to build your own shit and play, like, campaign style. Like, because you can, like... Uh, if you just play a one-off game, it doesn't matter, like, what happens to your guys. Like, your pilot, he can die. You know, the, the mech can be destroyed, whatever. If you decide to play a campaign, you have to keep track of literally everything that happened. Like, I lost this arm. I lost this many points of armor. My pilot got a concussion. Uh, but he killed three mechs. Like, so he gains experience and, like, levels up almost like a D&D character. And then you have to, like, have money set aside or whatever to fix your mechs that were damaged. Because in the next game that you play, you know, you're still using the same forces you had in the first game because it's campaign style. That's cool, man. That's like Blood Bowl shit. Blood Bowl and I guess yep. that new uh, Armageddon Necromunda shit. That's pretty tight. Way, way more intense and, like, than that. You like roll a dice, and he's like, "Oh, his his wife left him in the middle of the season, so he's coming in." <laughs> like, you know, it's like, "Oh, you rolled a six. That means he got in a car accident." She's, fu- and he- she's fucking the neighbor. The, the kids, <laughs> kids doing heroin. <laughs> oh, you're having at home issues. Roll a d twenty. We'll see exactly what kind of at home issues you're. Oh, look at that! Look at that black mold in the house. You're gonna have to yeah. <laughs> go rip up a whole bunch of drywall. Damn it. <laughs> um, but anyway, we, the other cool thing is, luckily, my buddy Chris Duncan that plays here uh, in our game club is like a fucking Battletech wizard. Like, he knows. He's read all the books. He's got a ton of miniatures. He knows, like, every fucking table by heart. He's, like, he's a fucking genius at it. So, it, like, he helped me write this list. Um, we're playing. We're actually got a 12,000-point game. Uh, scheduled in about three weeks, which, like, Michael asked, like, what that was miniature-wise. Um, that's seven seven mechs, four vehicles, and then two little bases of infantry. So, it's roughly, like, 13 models. So, it'd be, like, um, the vehicles are fairly small. They're, like, I don't know. What, what would you say that is? They're, like, an inch long by maybe a half inch tall. It's kind of, like, epic. Be like like painting a Gretchen in 40k and then the the mechs are like painting a Terminator I guess so it's ba- basically like painting seven Terminators and then four Gretchen then two little bases of infantry which would be like painting snotlings or whatever so it won't take me very long to paint Hell yeah. so that's it so that's my initial plans is getting uh, I wanted a game because I have all this uh, scenery and I, I like I don't want to get rid of well for one like lots of guys in my game club are going to continue to play Games Workshop products and I'm still going to host my game club and I'm not going to be the guy that just like takes my fucking ball and goes home <laughs> like I'm still going to host my game club and they can play <laughs> and you know we can all get along uh, just because I don't play that game anymore I'm not like have a vendetta against anyone that does so uh I wanted a game that I could still use a lot of my scenery, so that was the other reason I like Dark Age, is it's the, basically the same scale uh, as Games Workshop, so most most terrain that you have uh, would work for that. Um, the thing with Battletech is it's like epic 
almost epic scale, so I'm going to have to build a, a table specific to Battletech. But that's that'll be fun. It'll be something new. I've never never built anything in that scale before. You have to get super tiny, super little little layers, because like, what each floor would probably be like a centimeter tall, or what? What do you mean? Like at that scale for Battletech, like to make to like take all your scenery and make it that little. Oh well, here, hang on, I'll show you. People, people at home, this will be boring, boring fucking audio, but let me show you here. Well, these you have these some are Battletech terrain already. No, no, no. Oh. This is this is a person. This is a Battletech person. These are Battletech infantry guys. They got flash on them here, so. Hang on. The flash is almost the size of the model, so let me get it off there real quick, or you'll be confused as to what the hell's going on. So that is a Battletech infantry. So that's person size. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like you're gonna have to like make like buildings with like floors that are like a centimeter tall. So they, three, there's companies that make buildings. Tall. There's a Battletech building. That's fucking crazy. Do you play on a four by four? Is that still going on, on a six by four? Well, the cool thing about Battletech is it's more realistic. Like, you know, uh, and I, I'm, this is going to sound like I'm shitting on 30K and 40K. I'm not. I played it for years. But let's be real here. Like, you have, like, an auto gun, which is just like what a guardsman, like a las gun or an auto gun, which is supposed to just be like an assault rifle today. Okay. Has a 24-inch range, where if you look at, like, a six-foot-tall guy is this tall, and you lay him on a side, and he's roughly two inches tall. So it's like your assault rifle shoots the length of 12 people laying head to toe. Okay. Does it make a lot of sense? So Battletech is more like the ranges are more true to the scale of what's going on. So like a machine gun on a mech in Battletech is like a 50 caliber machine gun. So it still shoots like, you know, pretty far across the table. And like some of the, the larger mech weapons like basically to shoot the whole board. So you still, even though your mech is to the scale, it still shoots like... 30, 40 inches, but when you figure that each inch is supposed to represent almost 100 meters. Yeah, no, that makes, yeah, sense. No, that makes sense. That's something that, uh, something that, that Games uh, Workshop doesn't do. I actually never even I thought about the thought range about of like pistols and stuff being only like 12 inches, so <laughs> what's that like? Six foot per every two inches, so it's like 36 feet. <laughs> is that right? 12-inch range on a pistol, 36 feet? Am I, th am I thinking of that right? Well, I, the pistol... So that's not that bad for a pistol, because, like, lethal... Like, what most pistol encounters take place seven yards or less. That's what, like, experts say. But, like, when you got a rocket launcher that shoots 48 inches, which would be, like, you know, like a football field. Six. 24 times 6... No, it'd be 48. feet. A missile, a, a missile launcher shoots 48 inches in 30 Yeah, but, but each two, every two inches equals six feet. Well, roughly, like six, eight feet, something like that. I mean, you figure a guardsman's about an inch and a half tall. We'll say an inch and a half is six feet. Okay, so two inches would be eight feet. Yeah. So, so let's say... 48 times eight. 48. No, 48... Divided by two, because that's every oh, so two 24 inches. Twenty-four times eight. Yeah, times twenty-four eight. times eight. So that's one hundred and ninety-two feet. 
So 64 yeah. yards. Yeah. So like, yeah. Not even a full football field in your rocket launchers. Your rocket launchers done. <laughs> that's fucking Which, crazy. That's just that being said, it's like it, they're doing it from a game design standpoint, not a realism standpoint, which is fine. Yeah. But when you get to a smaller scale game, it allows you to make it more realistic because you can start dealing with huge ranges because. Yeah, I guess I've never considered that before. Especially like in like when you start bringing up like the term like 50 cal and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. I'm just blowing my mind. I've never thought about it. I've never thought about like, because my dad, like my dad last weekend, we were, we were shooting uh, uh, out of my sister's place and we we're about 70 yards out sighting in a couple of rifles. And yep. he pulled out his forty, his little pistol. He was popping these like sprite cans with his pistol, and I'm like, "Good lord, Dad!" I was like, "You are deadly with that pistol." I was like, "Good for you," but like putting that down into like basically saying that that's not usable after so many feet. Like that's crazy. Like sixty four feet, not usable. No, like nothing beyond this. It's pretty crazy. I've never I've never considered that until just now. So, yeah, like I said, it's nothing bad. It's just like, it's just the effect of playing that scale of a game. It's hard to make the ranges realistic. Yeah. I don't know how Infinity does it. Infinity seems to be, because I've never played Infinity, so maybe somebody that's an Infinity player out there or somebody that plays in the chat, uh, what are the ranges like in Infinity? Because they seem to like really look for realism. Like, in a six, on a 6x4 table at 28 millimeter scale, you would just think that everything but pistols would, or shotguns would literally just have unlimited range. And you would just get modified on like how fast a target moves or cover if you were trying to be really realistic about it. I don't know. Because yeah. in Battletech, if infantry... Because each hex on a Battletech board represents 100 meters... So infantry have a three hex range, which is 300 meters. So if you think about like an AK-47 or whatever, like infantry would have, that's about the effective range. I mean, you can, it'll shoot further than that, but actually aiming and hitting a human-sized moving target with uh, accuracy to be lethal, that's about what we, you know what I mean? Like that, I think that that's fairly accurate, 300 meters. And like how, huh? I guess when you start really breaking things down to like, a how far like a guardsman can move every turn like six inches like how much time was in that six inches and if that six inches is actually like what'd you say 1.5 feet 1.5 inches well you can't that's why i said you can't you can't attribute realism (laughs) to it because of a scale thing and i don't expect them to it's crazy i've never really put put much thought into it to be honest with you yeah i don't even know how we got (laughs) <laughs> well, we were talking about your <laughs> your the range of the BattleTech stuff and how. Oh, well, this is the funny thing. I don't know if you if like so they have this thing to give you an idea. That's an artillery piece. See the gun on that? Yep. So That's badass. a BattleTech a BattleTech map, you know, is I forget how many hexes a map is, but this thing shoots twenty maps. So That's it's like a to what? what? One more time. Twenty maps. And I don't know how many hexes a map is, but it's several. It's like thirty hexes or something. So it's like it's like real artillery. Like 
if we like you could literally build a BattleTech game and I could build a table from like one end of my basement to the other and some of the guns would actually reach the other end. Cuz you huh. have like IC you have like ICBMs and shit you can shoot at each other. Wow, that sounds real fun so the way- like a like a, a massive campaign kind of thing. And then the way they do it is each map is a turn. So if I target something four maps away, it takes four turns for it to get there. So I have to plot where it lands. And I like write that down. Oh, wow. Yeah, I plot where it lands and then things happen for four turns. And then on that fourth turn, the artillery hits there. So you have to like anticipate where the enemy's going to be and whatever. And they know that something's on their way, right? (laughs) No, well... I, you can do it different ways. Like you can select where they know, or you could you can do it in secret. Because if you actually play on a hex based system, you can because hexes you can number them. Like you could do like twelve in, four from the bat, whatever, and write that hex down, and they don't know. <laughs> You're all jokes on you. I fired an ICBM four turns ago, and then just like <laughs> no. <laughs> it, you declare you're shooting it, and you then you write down the location, and it gets to shoot every turn. So you can like walk, like you can fire one, and before that round's even hit, fire another one. You know, some of them have different, you know, delay. Like it fires every other turn or whatever. But that's crazy. That's some crazy ass rules. Pretty interesting. Pretty interesting, and sounds pretty realistic versus games that i play right now but that's okay (laughs) (laughs) oh battletech has this thing too like i mean there are so like i have a giant robot with a fucking missile launcher on the shoulder that the ammo is somehow stored in the fucking leg and it somehow makes it like i mean that doesn't make any sense so i mean it it, it's definitely like i'm not i don't want to make it sound like whatever like i don't even know how we got here i don't either but yeah, so anyway. Oh, Dave, Dave Stolarski, my buddy Dave that plays uh, um, Infinity, Infinity, he says the standard, standard weapons in Infinity shoot 48 inches. So that's like like your standard rifle in Infinity shoots 48. So it's pretty much the whole length of the board. That's realistic. My buddy, uh, my buddy Aaron's been trying to get me in an Infinity for a long time. But it yep. looks cool. I just, I'm not a huge fan of the aesthetic. Like, I'm not, it's like, it's kind of like the anime stuff, and it's just not for me. I mean, the models are extremely nice, and I've, like, when the, it's all painted up, like, some of the painters in Infinity can paint some insane shit, and it and it looks pretty cool. It's just not something I'm into. Yeah, for sure. I think about the, uh, uh, those werewolf Americans that they have, and I'm just like, oh, those look fucking kick ass. But I don't know. Every time I look at their terrain, I always think that they have like much better terrain than what we're dealing with. Their terrain always looks so much cooler every time I go look at like what they're playing with. It looks more realistic. It looks more yeah. like it looks more like an actual like when you build a city for forty K or thirty K, you have to bridge between playability and looks. So you kinda yeah. have to make it where it wouldn't like you build a ruined building, it's just walls with like nothing like laying on the inside of it because it makes it a pain in the ass to move models. Where yeah. Infinity, 
you want tons of terrain. So Infinity, like you build it to look as realistic as possible. At least that's what I've seen. This is somebody looking in from the outside that's never fucking played a game of Infinity, read an Infinity book or whatever. I've just like walked by and seen people playing it. When I was at Adepticon, I saw they had that, uh, there was like a building. <sighs> Infinity's so boring. <laughs> there was a building that was a sushi shop and so like that you took the top off the building but you could also put the top back on because you could also like climb up the stairs and like hide behind like air conditioning unit and shit like that but you can get inside the building and when you looked in the building it was a little sushi shop in there and there was like tables turned over and there was like a uh like an oven and like a back kitchen and i'm like what the fuck do you like you run through all this shit like you gotta like yeah. put your model like oh my model's in the kitchen he's well that's he's the hiding. thing they play that looks to me like you play with like eight models like you can do that like same thing with dark age you play with five six models like i can build some dark age terrain that's fucking crazy like way more detailed than i ever could with 40k because i'm only need to move five models around on it and they don't have to have squad coherency because they're individual models so it's huh. just it's just a different it's just a different way to do things. It's not that one way is correct or one way is better or whatever. It's just a different a dip. It's just different. I get it. Well, all right. That's other gaming systems, people. I'm glad we had this conversation. I don't know how we got into it, but I'm glad we did have the conversation. But so. Just touching back base, uh, 8th edition is on the way. We don't have a timeline of when 8th edition is going to come out. We've seen some different things on what 8th edition is going to look like. But I think we'll go over some speculation on next episode. We'll, we'll go ahead and just move forward with uh, it. Just go play a couple games of Age of Sigmar and you'll already know how to play it. <laughs> Sweet. So all the people who've been playing Age of Sigmar already have a one-up on us. Yep. So... Anyway, all right. You want to hear this bus story, dude? I've actually been dying to hear this bus story. Let's hear it. We didn't do hobby progress. I built Battletech stuff. What'd you do? And I went to Iceland. <laughs> I you're all, I went to Iceland, and I did this. Uh, nothing much, man. I've been pulling out my Raven Guard slowly uh, just because it seems like a safe thing to work on right now. So I pulled my Raven Guard all out. I have like 30 more Dathan that I'm just going to start using as veterans. And so I took them out, and I was somewhat decently happy with my paint scheme, but not super proud of it at the time. This was from uh, two years ago at this point now. No, a year ago. And so I threw them all into some simple green, got them all primed up. And so I'm going to just try and touch base back with my Merdathan and some Raven Guard, and I've been... Basically, I'm going to revisit my Godslayer list, but with uh, with veterans and instead of uh, more Dathan. So that's what I'm moving towards. I was kind of on the fence on whether or not I wanted to do like a Headhunter Legion because that also seems like a lot of fun to do. Just basically take a fuckload of Headhunter models and run an Alpha Legion list. Like take the same idea of the Godslayer list, which would be a Primark Hunter list, and move that over to an Alpha Legion list, which also, I mean, which sounds fluffier to you, like, in your head? We haven't really talked about it too much, so. 
I would do whatever is the most minimum investment possible right now. <laughs> That's just me. So this is just going to be like like fluff wise, like fun. Like I don't expect it to do like good in eighth edition or anything like that. It just seems like a fun army to have. Well, what uh, I'm saying is, you already have Raven Guard. You already have the models, and I don't think one is fluffier than the other. So just do Raven Guard. Okay, so I might just do that. And and like I said. If it doesn't work or you can't use all the models or whatever the case is, you're fine. You already had it. You didn't you don't have a big investment in it. Okay. That's 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 friendly. Yeah, I was kind of in between cuz I am running, you know, I've got my Loyalist Legion already, my Blood Angels, I've got Raven Guard. And so I was kind of leaning towards getting an Alpha Legion, like just rebuilding the Godslayer list in Alpha Legion. But Headhunters are pretty much garbage for I don't even. I hope they get updated someday, but we'll we'll see on that one. But that's that's gonna be something that we need to talk about in the future. But so re re reviewing the the Godslayer list. So that's that's where I'm going with it. So you can buy my Blood Angels. They're already done. Huh? Just buy my Blood Angels. They're already done. Yeah. We'll talk about that. <laughs> we'll talk about that off air. Okay. So anyway, let's go to hear this bus story. If y'all don't recall what this bus story is even about, uh, this came from Tristan, who sent us two lists back-to-back. Well, before one was even done, he sent us another list. And so uh, he tells us that we keep him occupied while he's riding the bus, and he listens to us talking. So he's probably listening to us right now riding the bus. So... I don't know. I bet that lady next to him stinks. See that lady? See your Tristan? I bet she smells nasty. Ugh. Look at her. <laughs> Werther's Originals and Cat Piss. Oh. Oh, golden. So, anyway. So, we told him that, you know, Ryan will have will have another list ready for him as soon as he sends in a story about him riding the bus. And this is that story. This is a story for yep. in, ex- in exchange. This is a currency that he's working on here. So let's see. Let's see what he's got. Hey, Michael and Ryan. It's Tristan from Canada, Surrey, British Columbia. Uh, wanted to call in and let you guys know you guys are amazing. Uh, your knowledge in 30K is just wonderful. Uh, as I promised Ryan, I have an excellent bus story for you guys. I was uh, recently dropped off uh, on my way from work to the bus loop and uh, sitting there waiting in the bus lineup to uh, catch my bus, listening to, I believe, Iowa Horse at that time. And all of a sudden to my left, I hear a very loud disturbance. It goes over my headphones, so it's pretty loud. <laughs> I look to my left and uh, see a couple of guys who clearly were of the homeless variety and very, very drunk. Uh, getting into a pretty good altercation. Uh, one guy was uh, yelling in the face of the other guy, completely undescribable words, uh, just totally hammered, but clearly they had had some sort of disagreement. And uh, the other guy took exception to that because the, the fists started flying. And to say that these guys were totally hammered was an understatement because uh, all of their swings were very telegraphed and very slow, and they were staggering every single time they tried to throw a punch. 
finally, after a little while of going at this, uh, one of the guys was actually able to land a pretty fast punch. And his friend, or whoever he was with, clearly had had a little bit too much to drink and uh, hit the ground pretty hard, and he was KO'd with one hit. At this point, the transit security had noticed this whole thing going down, and they started after this guy who had uh, knocked his buddy out. And uh, a little bit of a chase ensued. Lo and behold, the guy running away didn't have uh, pants that fit him very well, (laughs) and lo and behold... The uh, belt let go, and down came his pants, and out came his ass. And this (laughs) created a little bit of a problem for him running, and just as the transit cop was about to catch him, he tripped. And uh, this ensued a big flailing of arms and legs, and the transit cop had actually tripped over him as he came down. Somehow, in the ruckus, the drunk guy ended up all over top of the transit cop but at some point during the fall must have gotten hit in the stomach because probably a week's worth of his booze and whatever food he had was coming out <coughs> in vomit all over the transit cop <laughs> after uh, witnessing this i knew that the whole bus loop was probably going to get on lockdown so there was a bus that was about to get to about about to pull out of the station. I leaped onto it and took off, and uh, took me a couple of transfers to get to where I needed to go. But I was not sticking around to send in a report. I hope you guys like that story. Uh, I really enjoy what you guys are doing, Ryan. You're a uh, bloody thirty k genius. Um, and Michael, I love listening to hear you tell stories. You're a good storyteller too. keep up the good work and i hope to hear from you guys soon i see that i missed getting this on episode 53 52 but uh once i listen to that maybe i'll call in and send you guys another one (laughs) so so basically what happened is like i like it sounds like this homeless man wasn't wearing any drawers and so when his pants came off it was just bare ass and mid-fall he started just vomiting and then the the transit cop coming in like tripped as well and fell on top of him. Is that what I heard? Is that yeah, is that how that story went down? And then puked on him. Fuck! Could you imagine? Could you imagine what homeless guy fucking puke smells like? Just think about that for a second. Mm. Not pleasant. No, because that's like that's just, there's no that's not real food in there that he's eating. That's like uh, mostly cheap beer and leftovers so that's got to be whew. i'd quit i mean transit cops like that kind of sounds like a security guard to me so you, i think you just kind of quit at that point like no paperwork no nothing just eh, pull your badge off and <laughs> give it to the homeless yeah, guy i said that's a bad day at work right there <laughs> that's a real bad day at work it's like what, what happened to you i got homeless man ass sweat on me and then I got puked on by that same homeless man, so. You know what that, I don't know why it made me think of it, but did you see, not this year's, but the the, the NFL Combine last year, the guy that was running the 40 and his pants fell down? No. No, I did not. And he just had on the Under Armour compression shorts and they fell down. So, like, his dick came out, ass was out, and then he tripped and fell. 
and then like slid on his dick across the turf as <laughs> down here in Indianapolis. Oh no! He was fine. It was just funny. Like they were laughing because it was live. They had it live. So if you were watching it live, you got to see cock and balls right on TV. <laughs> and uh, Chris Chris Collinsworth and uh, Mike Mayock and all that were laughing about it. They talked about it on that Fighter and the Kid podcast I was telling you about. I started listening funny. to that. I started listening to Fire and the Kid. That, that shit cracks me up now. Oh, it's funny. Yeah. There's some good ones. That one, Brendan, Brendan called his dick. He said it was pterodactyl dick, but his balls were the wings and the head, and he was like, it's a pterodactyl dick. Rawr! And they kept replaying it over and over again and they were dying laughing <laughs> you need to find the episode where brendan taught like uh the one where brian is telling brendan the story about the crest commercial the to- the the toothpaste applying or trying to get a uh because he's an actor he was trying to get a role in a crest toothpaste commercial and brendan always is uh shitting on brian callen because his teeth are so bad yeah so I'll let you listen to the story, but the short of it is that Brian goes to the audition and it's good and he feels like he did good. But then right at the end of it, the guy goes, uh, smile for me. Let me see your teeth. And he's all like, what? It's like, let me see your teeth. And Brendan immediately starts laughing because he knows that Callan's teeth are shitty. <laughs> <laughs> so then it turns into this 20 minute thing of like Brendan imitating Callan and imitating the guy and like acting it out. It's really funny. So it was one of my favorite little segments on that show. I listened to one. It was uh, um, it was these two twin comedians. I can't remember who the, what their name is or anything like that. Uh, black but they guys, were basically, huh? No, they were white guys. Black guy. Uh, there was the the Hodgkin twins are the black guys I was thinking about on there. Um, white guys. Are they the fuck? I I think I know who you're talking about. They played like the. That Wild Hogs show, they played like the two cops that were like one was deaf in the left ear and one was deaf in the right ear. Uh, it's the Sky, the Sklar, the Sklar brothers. Yeah, Sklar brothers. Yeah, that's who I'm thinking of. Yep, that's them. They were in that Wild Hogs show, so I know who you're talking about. So it was the Sklar brothers, right? And apparently they were like flying first class. And I love how we're discussing this. Like, you can go listen to this exact story better than what I tell it on the Fighter and the Kid podcast with the Sklar brothers. <laughs> But they were talking about the the Sklar brothers were basically uh, um, they were flying first class and Richard Simmons was in first class with them. And when he was walking to the restroom, Richard Simmons was sitting against the wall and like Richard Simmons grabbed his hand as he was walking to the restroom in first class and started sucking his thumb. (laughs) (laughs) And he's just like sitting there just like what the fuck and he like and, and like brendan Shaw is like he's like how fucked up is that like how fucked up is that and he's like did what, brendan like, tell his story about richard simmons hitting on him yes it immediately came after that but he yeah. goes he goes how fucked up is that he goes he goes if i grabbed the woman's hand and started sucking her thumb you're immediately gonna know who the fucking air marshal is on that plane <laughs> like, <laughs> He's like, he's like, you're watching this dude get sexually assaulted by another dude, and nobody does shit. He goes, but if I were to do something yep. like that, he's like, I'm gonna be in handcuffs with a gun against the back of my head. Like, it's yep. so fucking funny. Oh uh, yeah, but apparently Richard Simmons is just like this sexual predator that like I had no fucking clue about. Like, well, uh, Andy, just- apparently Andy Dick is too. There's a you need to find the listen to the fighter and the kid 
with Uriah Faber on it. Uriah Faber's an uh, an he used to fight in the UFC. He's retired now, but he's a small guy. He's like five foot four. He fought at like a hundred and twenty five pounds, I think, one thirty five, one thirty five, one twenty five, something like that. He has a story of him being trapped in a bathroom with Andy Dick and Andy Dick like trying to proposition him for sex, and it's one of the funniest fucking things. Like you need to listen to it. So it's on that podcast. He tells the story on that podcast. Yeah, we uh, <laughs> we we've been you've been trying to convince me to listen to that podcast for a while. I'm glad that I finally. It's pretty funny, took Scott. Uh, uh, I know that Tim, I of course Tim listens to it, and then uh, my buddy Scott that uh, is infamous on here. Uh, he's been brought up many times. He listens to it too. So. Well, all right. So yeah. So I guess let's hit up these questions, man. Let's do them. Let's get these questions out of the way. All right. So first things first, guys. If you have a question, or you have anything you like, for for starters, if you have a question, you can go ahead and send in your questions to uh, Michael at Warhammer30k.com, and uh, we'll get your questions answered on air. And also, if you want to leave a voicemail. You can call in and leave a voicemail to. Oh man, how did I figure it out? It's two oh nine RFI thirty K zero. I don't know how I forgot our, vo- our, our our voicemail for a second there. That's our phone number. Leave us a voicemail if you're international. Uh, you can just email us that voicemail, and we'll go ahead and play it on air. So. Oh, I never did say. So Tristan, um, you're going to get the last the last ever uh list i write for this show so the last I, I will write it list I, I will write it and uh email it to you and then i will also email it to michael and then if he wants to go over it on the next show he can but you will get it 100 percent. a deal because deal. you shared your bus your bus story ryan's man of his word okay so let's go over. These are actually going to be emails that we received in, and these are going to be first. The first three emails are just going to be questions that we're going to go over. Uh, so first one comes from Smith. Smith says, "Hey guys, so I returned to 40k after a about a 15 year break a couple years ago. My second pickup game was me playing my second edition Blood Angels, and I got curb stomped by this guy playing a bunch of sixth edition Elder Jet bikes." We got to talking, and we had this dream of opening up a bar, which was a gaming club. I liked his spunk, so we exchanged numbers. He lived a couple miles down the road, and we ended up playing a bunch of 40K, of which he continued to to do his curb stomping. Well, after starting to turn a little salty, he told me about this other game that he was getting into, 30K. Well, we have been playing 30K since about October last year and having a blast. He ran an escalation campaign with a painting requirement, which got a whole group of people off their asses and started starting to the hobby. Also, he also started a Facebook and Discord chat, which is a great place to bounce ideas around and just plain bitch about whatever OP stuff has come around out of Book 7. The reason I wanted to share this story is because he got married this weekend and I was honored to be his groomsman. If it wasn't for Wargaming Passion, I wouldn't have gotten to know this great guy that he is. So shout out to Mr. Evan Sturman. His wife Natasha for putting up with us, and thanks for him not only handing my ass to me in 40k, but now 30k too. P.S. Stopped writing him lists for his Iron Warriors 
or Mark Henry with his world eaters, or our gaming group can only take so much of Michael's special sauce. Cheers. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right. (laughs) So I'm more interested in what's going on with the, uh, the whole, the bar, the gaming bar. What's going on with that? Like, you mean what's going? That's every every person that has ever played a miniature war game has had that idea. That is not. I'm just saying. It sounded like he was going somewhere with that with that idea. Like I felt like that story was gonna like segue over to like a, and then we started. We opened that bar, and now our bar is successful. Like the name of said bar is blah blah blah. That's what I was expecting. Like I I like that you know, Evan Sturman got married. Congratulations, Natasha. You sound like a lucky woman. But come on. Let's, uh, let's get some uh let's get some bars out there. Let's get some uh, they got them in Australia. Why can't we get some in America? So also Smith, you have a deal. I won't write them any more list. Good to go. <laughs> Fate lit <laughs> You hear that, Smith? <laughs> that was all is all your fault. <laughs> This whole thing was your fault. <laughs> we got this email and Ryan said, you're right. <laughs> no more list for Mark Henry. <laughs> I'm done. No more list for anyone. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> All right. So the next email we got comes from Robert. This says, Puppy Sorry and Soul Cal Open. Uh, so just to let y'all know I vetted this puppy story. So it won't be, be it won't be read online. <laughs> we won't do that to y'all twice. Um, it's, it's pretty horrible. So we will read the first part. Is guys, I appreciate the feedback on rules questions, and I like the answers. I would appreciate it if you let people know about the SoCal Open. It'll be October twenty first and twenty second. It will be held at the Del Mar Fairgrounds in San Diego, California. It's a five game tournament with three games on Saturday and two games on Sunday. Players should bring a 2,500-point listing the Age of Darkness, Force Organization Tart, Multibombing is allowed, and only restrictions are no relics and no Shattered Legions. So I shouted that out now, but at the end of the show, I am going to do this new thing I've been doing where I list all the events because they are stacking up. But I will go ahead and put that right under the Bug Eater GT right now in my list notes. So I will make sure that gets shouted out at the end with along with Nova, Texacon, TNT Grand Tournament, Invasion of Carolina, Bug Eater GT, and now the SoCal Open. So, looking forward to looking forward to seeing some pictures of that. So, SoCal Open. So, and then he also had a puppy story, but like I said, <laughs> there's just no reason to. We'll just I'll, I'll I'll have that in my head. I will not subject all of you to that. So, next on the list comes from Robert. This says rules query for word bearers hello michael and ryan i have a rules question that i wanted to clear up with you you guys regarding the 17th legion that did not look like 17th legion as you are both aware apothecaries are limited in what units can what units they can join specifically in regards to demons apothecaries are assigned a unit before deployment this brings up an interesting interaction with dark channeling so dark channeling must be rolled before the game so that does that mean you can have units that can make themselves ineligible for apothecaries to join if that's correct then what happens if there is no units for apothecaries to join legally do they not get deployed do they automatically count as destroyed let's say there's a word bearers force that consists of the following two tactical squads one galvor back one chaplain one diabolist one apothecary dark channeling is purchased for both tactical squads but both roll a six on dark channeling at the beginning of the game and the game 
and they gain the Damon Universal Special Rule. What does the Apothecary go? Can he join the Chaplain? Or Chappie is a unit entirely comprised with the infantry type and the Legion of Stars Special Rule? Are independent characters not considered a unit in this case? In my understanding, kill points set the precedence that they are. Apothecaries may not voluntarily leave it a unit during the game. If an apothecary can join an independent character, do they form their own unit? <laughs> Does the independent character lose his ability to join other units? If this is not the case, then this allows for some definite abuse of the right of war versus or rules as written versus rules as intended. In this hypothetical scenario, the tactical squads have both gained the Damon Universal Special Rule. The Galverback already have the Damon Universal Special Rule. The Diabolus gains a Damon Universal Special Rule from his console upgrade. The only available unit for the Apothecary to join is the Chaplain. The Chaplain, still being an independent character, is free to join any of those units. That This is essential to allow the Chaplain to, gain, to join the Galverback, bringing along his Apothecary and Feel No Pain Universal Special Rule for the Galverback. This allows them to gain Feel No Pain with having a, without having a Primus Medicaid. Would this interaction still work if only one of the tactical squads had rolled a six and gained the Damon Universal Special Rule? Am I allowed to voluntarily choose to join an apothecary to an independent character? How would this change if two, if there are two or more apothecaries? If there's something simple I'm missing about this interaction, I apologize. Thanks for reading my email and keep up the great work on the podcast. P.S. Ryan, you're totally fine. Michael, stay in your fucking lane. Oh, okay. So... So, uh, what's, uh, this is definitely one of those, uh, rules as intended conundrums that we're running into here. I don't, I don't think your apothecaries would be destroyed, but also I don't think you'd be able to join an apothecary to a chaplain and then also get to join that chaplain into a unit, would you? And then seem to make any sense because the independent character, he'd be making a I unit. would write this question on a t- cake and send it to Forge World and see what they say about it. <laughs> they'll just eat the cake and not do anything with it but I mean this is a very specific circumstance on when this would happen but um, the apothecary the apothecary has to join during deployment and you become a demon before the game so you're a demon before you can join the apothecary so if it was the reverse, I would say that you've already joined and then became a demon, so you get around it. But because you're not, you literally can't join. So, but th- like he said, the apothecary rules say you can't take it. You can't even take it during army construction if you don't have a unit that it can then join. So it's a fucking mess, basically. So what I would do is just say, in that particular instance, if if that's the only unit he can possibly join is one is a that chaplain. no is a unit like a basically a unit that became a demon because of a special rule and became a demon um pre-deployment after army construction then right. i would still allow him to join it to it i mean i don't really know other how else you handle it um or you could just say don't take don't take apothecaries in the army because it's a possibility that it happens and you know it going in, so don't take it. But, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm also kind of... Because it sounds like his question is, can the apothecary join a chaplain and then have the chaplain join another unit? Now, it does say that the apothecary can never voluntarily leave its squad during the game. 
but the chaplain can voluntarily leave the apothecary, but the apothecary wouldn't be able to join anybody else. Nope, because he's not an independent character. So it would just be an apothecary just like, yeah. So he wouldn't get to team up with I your... just wouldn't. I don't know. It's my last day at work, man. Sorry. <laughs> just calling it in. I mean, I'm just saying like that. That's kind of how I see it in, in my eyes right now. It doesn't seem like a quick way to get a Primus Medicaid into your your uh, your Galvor back. It does seem like uh, the chaplain could just break off and go join, and then you have an apothecary by himself. Well, when Eighth Edition comes out, maybe it'll fix it. Possibly, possibly. Sorry, Age of Thirty K. I'm not going to call it Eighth Edition. So in seven months, when that happens, then you can uh, then hopefully that'll be fixed. But in the interim, I would say if you're going to play any games at any of these events coming up. Uh, you may want to uh, check with how the tournament organizer is going to run it, but I would definitely say that uh, that I, I know I shouldn't, but I can't help. I know I shouldn't, but I can't help myself. I'm sure in Age of Thirty K, all problems like this in the future won't exist because New Games Workshop. That's all I want to say. So I wouldn't worry about it too much. I'm sure it's all under control. I'm sure that you will never, ever run into another thing like this in a Games Workshop system again because it's new Games Workshop. Just saying. Just had to slip that in there. All right, we can move on. Well, I'm still answering his question. <laughs> <laughs> he asked the question. <laughs> he said he sent us this in in confidence. Like, so I, I would say that if like you had to, because your, your, your next question was how would this change if there were two or more apothecaries? Um, well, I would say that if you run out of units that are eligible to put them in, I would just run them as characters just by themselves. It seems like the only way that you would be able to do it, but definitely tech with uh, whatever the event organizer is doing, especially if you're going to be running a list like this with a uh, dark channeling. So we'll see. So, next question. Let me make sure this doesn't have any. Okay, this comes from Chris. Chris says, hey guys, been rereading the books from the beginning and just done the Istvan 5 Massacre. It inspired me to make a list and pay homage to the Fallen Loyalist. Also have a Fire Drake itch. These models will be the only ones I buy for the list escalating from 2k to 3k to show the forces they gather around their banner. I like the idea of the Cordish Dreadnoughts and how they can only ramshackle them together with spare parts and each one will be a Legion specific dread. I plan to make the Vet Squad have mem members of each Legion even though the rules state that you can't mix the squads. I will have a full 10 of Raven Guard for players that don't like it. I also was thinking of painting the Land Raider and Rhino captured trader, as captured trader vehicles. This will be pure fluff, so make me fluffy. So this came from Chris. So I thought this was more of a question than... Because you actually liked his so, list of the list. Yeah, because it... Good. Yeah, the his list lists are fine and, and do it... And, as far as him painting like mixed squads, I actually played. Um, I've drawn a blank now. Shatter Legions. Damn it! Now I feel bad. Hang on. 
guy at Adepticon. British guy that now lives in California. His last name's Gray. What's his first name? Uh, anyway, he did the same thing. He was playing Raven Garden Salamanders, and he actually painted a few members of the squads, the different Legion, but ran them as the one that the majority was painted as. So, like, if he had a Salamander unit of ten guys and three of them were Raven Guard, the, and, you know, seven of them were Salamanders, they counted as Salamanders. Okay. I think it's Andrew Gray. Let me double that check. That sounds right. That's Marvin Gray. Marvin Gray. So, anyway, yeah. So... Uh, I don't know if you're looking at this or not, but he's got a Praetor, how I build my Praetor. Dragon Scale Storm Shield, uh, Mastercrafted. He's got a Thunderhammer. I personally prefer a Chain Fist. Uh, Thunderhammer works too, either way. Um, they're the same points. Uh, but he's got a Dragon Scale Storm Shield, Mastercrafted, Thunderhammer, Digital Lasers, Iron Halo, Mantle of the Elder Drake. Um, like I said, that's how I run my guy. Uh, other than I... Uh, it didn't say what type of Terminator armor. I would run him in Cataphracty because the Storm Shield for Salamanders only adds plus one to your invol. It doesn't just straight give you a three up. So, um, it's uh, it's better to take the Cataphracty to get the better invol. Um, then he's got five fire drakes, all with Storm Shields and Thunder Hammers. And then he's got those in a Spartan with ceramide, Armored Ceramite Flare Shield Dozer Blade. At this low of points, I think I would get rid of the Flare Shield. Um, plus, I think it's fluffier to not have a Flare Shield since it's like a sophisticated piece of technology. If you're running like a Shattered Legion that's supposed to be like Ramshackle put together, like that would probably be the first thing to malfunction or break and be hard to repair. Yeah, that does make sense. That's a uh, lot of fluff involved. Then um, he's got a Vigilator and Scout Armor with Refract Field, which I'm guessing is Raven Guard, which is cool. That's fluffy. And then he's got uh, 10 Veterans, which is obviously fluffy. They would be Veterans, and they're in a Rhino with Dozer Blade and Pendle Mountain Multimelta. Then he's got 7 more Dathan, which would also make sense. That if anybody's going to escape detection, it would be them. Um, they got Sniper Rifles, and then two of them have Missile Launchers, which is kind of cool. And then he's got three... Uh, Contemptor Cordis Dreadnoughts. The Dreadnoughts are fine. Um, and they are fluffy. There's nothing wrong with them. I don't know that I would run three. Uh, just, I think I would run something else. I would replace one of them with something else just to have more variety in the army. But that's just me. Um, I don't really know what that would be. I wouldn't take anything that would be hard to maintain. Like a speeder or like a rapier that would be a pain in the ass to drag along, I would definitely take like another unit of infantry or something like that. You could maybe take some normal Terminators or some Assault Marines or something like that. Might be cool. But that's just me. And then um, basically he just keeps the same force and he just keeps adding things in. So like from... 2000 to 20, which I just read to the 2500 point list. He adds in a couple more fire drakes and then he adds a dark wing pattern storm eagle to the veterans, which makes sense. That's something Shattered Legions would definitely, uh, you know, maybe that's what they got away in. And it would definitely be something you would keep around because, you know, you need that quick extra, you know, 
drop down and extraction both. Um, so I don't know. I, I like it. What do you think? I mean, we talk. I mean, I play salamanders or used to play salamanders, and you play Raven Guard. I like the fluff behind the Darkwing, but I don't actually like the Darkwing. Like, I've never had any good luck with the Darkwing or anything like that. If he's playing pure fluff, I mean, I guess he could run a normal one, but I mean, I don't have a problem with it if that's what he's going for, is pure yeah. fluff. Yeah, no, fluff-wise, it, it's in, it goes with it. I mean, everything fluff-wise looks fine. I mean, this is exactly what it would look like. So, if it's just strictly fluff... Then yes, the dark wing's fine. But playing with it, meh. You could just do just as good with a normal storm eagle. So they're also going to keep a storm eagle around. Yeah, yeah. I mean, any type of uh, jet. Well, plus he said if they're if he's going to make them looted vehicles, uh, you wouldn't like Raven Guard wouldn't loot their own vehicle when they're the only ones with dark wings. So actually, if he's painting it. A, like a different legions vehicle like it's stolen then it wouldn't make sense to be a dark wing so you could look at it that way yeah. so you could justify you could justify running the better version by that <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> so that, that that would make more sense just paint it up uh like a word bears dark wing or yeah or a word bears storm eagle just normal storm eagle and instead of taking the Darkwing, just take the normal Storm Eagle, which is actually will save you some points. Would you keep the armor ceramite on the Storm Eagle? Did you um, take that off? I mean, if if that's I I I never take it on there, but I mean, if it's uh, if he just has the points and can't figure out, you know, what else to spend it on, it's not a horrible upgrade. But I don't I I would spend it elsewhere. Yeah, but once again, be. it is fluffy. I mean, on at to be honest, like any type of like atmospheric reentry craft, like Dreadclaws, Charybdis, all that, it should automatically come with armored ceramite. It just should come with it. It shouldn't be an upgrade. Right. It should just be built in. That makes sense. From, a, from so, if he's wanting to go pure fluff, yes, it makes sense. Keep it. I like that idea. And then did you also look at the 3K? Oh, no. What's it? Read it out. What do you add in? Seven heavy support marines with last cannons. Um, 315 points. Yeah, I mean, that, that makes sense because he's going to need something to bust tanks or whatever. And that, for fluff reasons, that makes more sense than anything else, really. Because it's, you know, portable. They can get them around, all that. So, yeah, sounds like a good choice. I wonder what Legion is going to paint though. I guess fire. I, uh, that seems like more of a salamander kind of thing than a Raven Guard. Uh, I would say Raven Guard. If you read the part where Korax is escaping, sorry, my alarm's going off on my phone. Where he's escaping Isvan, um, uh-huh. they uh, they like hide a bunch of like missile launcher marines in the rocks and stuff, and like ambush that tank column and all that and yep. because they don't they don't have a lot of like tanks and shit like that they get a lot of their anti-tank from heavy support marines with just you know heavy weapons so i think it makes sense as raven guard 
Salamanders and heavy flamers or multi meltas. So last cannon it up. Seven heavy support marines ready to take out some tanks. Cool. So fluff wise, that all makes sense. So I guess we'll move it on. It is to Andrew Gray, by the way. I'm sorry I forgot your name, Andrew. <laughs> I remembered it. It's just like I I know so many people. I met so many people that if I don't talk to you like on a weekly basis, it's sometimes it takes me a minute to remember. So next question is a solar auxilla list. This comes from Bruce. He says, Hey guys, thanks for getting my list so fast. Some multi-laser batteries are on the way. Just had a question about the Lehman Russ vanquishers. I see they have the auxiliary drive and induction charger, but they don't have the exploratory adaption, which gives you that reroll for failed dangerous train checks. Is it still a right idea to leave off the dozer blades and just sit back at an attempt to crack armor open at 74 of uh, 72 inches? Also, I know y'all spoke about replacing the Infernus with something not quite as hardcore. Which Lehman Rust variant or variants would y'all replace it with? Thanks again, Bruce. So, I don't know. Just avoid dangerous terrain. Like, I, I don't... like cause Well, I'm double-checking. I could have swore that they had it. I could be wrong, but, I mean... I'm looking right now. I got it on my digital copy. Maybe he doesn't have... Maybe they changed it in the Red Book or something. I don't know. Or maybe he's just looking at... Like, people, some people try to just use Battle Scribe for rules. Let's see. Well, I do know that Lehman. there's two different types. Of yeah, Lehman Russ. Lehman Russ has the Explorer adaptation. It's right there. Oops. Hang on. Why yeah, is it not? Focused? I see it. I see it right there. Yeah. Yeah. Page forty-two. So, yeah. So it has it. So don't worry about it. It has it. All their vehicles have it. Because when I made that suggestion, I double-checked my work, and I flipped through here, and every I think every single one of their tanks has it. And then super heavies ignore dangerous terrain anyway. So, yeah, even their artillery tanks have it. Auxilla drive and induction. Even their super heavies have it. Yeah, it's under the special rules. It's not under the war gear. I don't know if you missed that. And they also have outflank. Yeah, maybe that's what he's missing. If you go to the Solar Exilla special rules on... What page is that, Michael? Do you have it? Uh, no, but I can look it up. Hang on, I got it right here. Equipment. Vehicle upgrade. Additional. Here we go. Explorer adaptation. It's on page 20 of the Red Book for Militia. And Solar Ox and Knights. It's on page 20. So that works. There you go. So don't worry about that. Uh, so the second question is dropping the Infernus. Where would be the, what would you take that's not as hardcore? Maybe as, a Valdor. Ooh, just a Valdor? Even with his Vanquishers? It's like. Well, you could do that. If he's wanting something anti infantry, you could. Uh, um, about just a normal Malkador. Yeah, that's what I'd do. Just normal Malkador would be fine. That'd be less fucking shit kicker and a little nicer and still be fun. Still have a super heavy running around. And if, if he's wanting something cool that's unique, you could get one of the Macarius chassis tanks using the uh, 
additional Lord of War thing. Yeah, using the what is it called? The War Machine detachment? Or wait, yep. no, they actually are, yeah, the War Machine detachment. Take like a the Macarius uh, Vulcan or whatever with the big Vulcan Mega Bolter on it, or take uh, the, the other Macarius, the Omega, yeah, the the Omega, yeah, something like that. That would be fun. Yeah, those wouldn't those wouldn't be as fucking crazy because the template's so large and you can manipulate it and all that stuff. It doesn't scatter, but it'll just be a big blast that you get to throw around, so you get to have fun with it. But you're not ignoring all cover, all armor saves, fucking everything. It's still gonna give. It's not as like as holy it's not as efficient as what an infernus would be but it'd still be a good time for you because you still get to throw a big ass template around for now for now exactly so give that a try chris or bruce give that a try bruce so next up on the list is an actual list is going to be a three thousand point death guard reaping list uh, so this comes in from Thomas Hoffman. He says, Hi, Ryan. First off, I want to say thank you in advance for your time and consider- consideration. I'm an old-time gamer who started with the original Epic Space Marines and Adeptus Titanicus back in the 80s, and I'm now returning to 40K, 30K after taking a hiatus from Games Workshop Games to play competitive War Machine for the last 14 years or so. I haven't played 40K since the beginning of 3rd. I haven't played 40K since the beginning of 3rd. Now that I know Forge World is sticking with 7th edition rules for 30k, <laughs> I'm ready to go ahead with building a list for 30k Death Guard. I'm ready to go Guard. back to War Machine. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I've started collecting recently. What I've liked to ask for your assistance, which is making a fluffy playable list from the models I have. 3,000 points or so, I guess. I can scale it back for smaller games. Below the list of what I've collected so far. Much of it is not built or can still be modified to some degree, so options are open. The idea to have a list target as a hobby objective for modeling and painting perspective. Cool factor of the models takes priority over effectiveness of the, co- of the table to some extent. The Leviathan, Dreads, and Glaive are more or less auto-includes due to how much I like them look-wise. I dig it. I feel it. I'm the same way. If you could help me construct a 3,000 to 3,500 point Death Guard Age of Darkness Reaping Rod of War list from the items below, it would be hugely appreciated. No rush, of course, and thanks again for any help you can provide. So the you models don't have to read has... it out. Well, oh, okay. Unless you want to. Yeah, yeah good. Uh, so what I did, looking at his list and looking at what he was wanting to do, what. Maybe the favorite, my favorite list I've ever written for this show is Dan, the one I did for Dan Porter, the Death Guard list using the Reaping, and this guy has all the same models, so okay. he should literally just use that list. And then the, he's the only problem I had was he's wanting to run the Reaping, and he's got Mortarian, but he's also wanting to run a Glaive, so you can't run a Glaive and Mortarian at the same time. Nope. So he's no, going to have to choose anyway. between. He's going to have to choose between the two. So, let me find Dan's list here. So, I'll go through this list. He's wanting to do 3,500. So, this list that I'm going to read off is 3,000 points. So, he could literally just add in the Leviathan, you know, to go up in points. And then, if he's wanting to run the Glaive, you would just drop Mortarian and add in the Glaive, basically. So... But I'll give him this list, and it, he should have all these models. So, it's a Siege Breaker. 
in Artificer Armor with a Power Fist, a Chaplain in Tartaros Terminator Armor with a uh, sword for his Crozius, and a Chain Fist on the other hand and Rad Grenades. And then for troops, it's a Tactical Squad with the additional Chain Sword, so they have Bolt Pistol, Chain Sword, and Bolt Gun. The Sergeant has Artificer Armor, Death Shroud Power Scythe, melt bombs and rad grenades. Um, and uh, there's two of those units. They're identical. And then there's the third troop choice is 10 heavy support marines with missile launchers. And they're upgraded to also have flak missiles. The sergeant has artificer armor and augury scanner. Then for elites, it's three individual quad mortars. Um, and all all three of the quad mortars have shatter shells and phosphex canister shot, so that's three of your elite choices. For the fifth, or sorry, for the fourth elite choice, it's five death shroud terminators, just base death shroud. For the first heavy support choice, it's a squadron of land raiders, so it's two phoboses and a squadron that have armored ceramite. And the two tactical marine squads that we talked about earlier go in the land raiders. These land raiders do not need dozer blades because this right of war, the reaping right of war, allows them to uh, ignore dangerous terrain checks. Um, then the second heavy support choice is a Spartan with armored ceramite. Once again, it doesn't need a dozer blade for the reasons above. And then the uh, third and final heavy support choice is a Grave Warden, a seven man Grave Warden Terminator squad. Uh, two of them have chain fist. The other ones keep their power fist. And then the sergeant, the Kim master of the unit, has a power scythe and rad grenades. And the idea is Mortarian and the two characters go with the five death shroud and the Spartan. And then the two tactical squads go into the uh, two land raiders. And then you have the grave wardens just marching forward on foot. And they're laying down a bunch of chemical weapons fire with their grenade launchers. And then the quad mortars, the three individual quad mortars are doing the same. And then if you wanted to switch it over with these other models, you would, to go up to 3,500, you would literally just add in the Leviathan, like we talked about. And then um, if you wanted to run that glaive, uh, you would drop Mortarian and use the because uh, the, the Leviathan is not going to take up the entire 500 points to go to 3,500. It's because you're not going to put it in a drop pod in this particular list because you can't because you can't have deep striking units. Uh, you'd have about 200 points left over. So between those 200 points plus the points you're accumulating from dropping Mortarian, you should have enough points to put the Glaive in. So just swap them out. So just swap them out if you want to. But this is one of my favorite lists I've ever written for the show. Um, and it fulfills all the requirements of what you were wanting. And it did surprisingly well in the, uh, I think it, I think that that list was the one he used when he got his, uh, his special little award. Uh, the, what was it? The golden, whatever, what was it? Throne of Skulls. It was at the Throne of Skulls event. He ran it, right? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm really yeah, not. I believe- I believe he ran that list in the Throne of Schools event and did pretty well. I mean, you won best overall. Sweet. That was that was mostly based on his players voting for him. So he was also just a, a gnarly dude to play with, Mr. Dan. So, But the list is also pretty competitive and helpful. 
So rock and roll with that. So next list is number 12, Mushroom-Headed Maniacs. Dear 30K loving dick bags, a few things. First, I want to say I greatly enjoy your podcast, and I have the Cayman Worshipping Parolees down in Hugh Jackman land, and thank you for tuning me to on to you. So he's talking about I-4s. Uh, yep. Second, I hate being a Texas native. Oh, I, I, being a Texas native, had the pleasure to meet and get shit hammered with a dude bro I met in D.C. this past weekend from Indy. Apparently, the Brohesian is a real between Texas and Indy, and I now know why you guys get along so well. Third, I honestly feel this 8th edition rules change shit is overblown. Hear me out. Yes, people fled in droves from 40k to 30k, but not for the reason you're thinking. I don't think rules have anything to do with it. I believe it's whack faggotry. I would put money that... The trend of 40k players going to 30k ratio is the same as people going from 40k competitive games to narrative. The last few events I've been to have seen a greater rise in narrative 40k play. I feel this has something to do with the competitive players looking across the room to see us narrative guys yucking it up, having beers and bullshitting while they pop Xanax and try and keep from table flitting, flipping the Taldar dickhead. There are better games with tighter rules you can play competitive. Infinity, for example, my group dropped 40k a long time ago to play the competitive and more balanced games only to recently come to 30k because it is seen in large part because of the community as a beer and pretzel and more fun. They could go back to fourth edition and I would bet dollars to donuts the community or those who love fluff and narrative would still play and be happy regardless. This is a good rule set does not though the the a good rule set okay i can't read this the a good rule set does not matter they are a nice bonus i didn't leave 40k because of the rules i left because if i wanted to have another competitive hobby i would stick to mma and literally get the shit kicked out of me with that said i would like a 3000 point world leader list with a gallon serlac apothecaries a squad of eightish rampagers one contemptor with double chain fist double chain fist and the rest i don't care I have 20 built Marines. The theme is a Triari crazy-ass boarding Marines who specialize in close-quarters ship battles and city fights, as I think they would be about the same in practice. I'm using a mix of Mark III armor with 40K Forge World Berserker bits. Mark III for the heavier armor, as World Leaders wouldn't use no pussy shields. This company was part of the Triari that disobeyed orders again and hit Planetfall during Nasiria and witness Angron go God Mode. Thus, the early adoption of the corn symbol and the red armor. See my rampagers attached. Love you guys. P.S. Red on the podcast so I can get, so I can David Curradine myself to your sweet voices. <laughs> so <laughs> He's going to hang himself and beat off. Yeah. For those of you who don't know. <laughs> nice. Okay, so... For one, your models look fucking dope. It's kind of like uh, he used the Forge World upgrades for the 40K uh, Chaos Marines, but put them in uh, Mark III armor so they fucking look legit. They look hard as fuck. And the Double Chain Fist Contemptor using the uh, the Chain Fist from the Games Workshop. Uh, uh, I guess that's the what dreadnought is that the ironclad dreadnought that has a, just a straight chain fist or is that just a normal venerable dreadnought that has a straight like fucking just chain fist hand he that's the ironclad. 
So he put those on his uh, his world eater contemptor. Looks pretty dope. And then he has like a badass chain wrapped around his neck that has a bunch of skulls on it. So they look very chaosy. These look like uh, these these dudes witnessed uh, Angron going god mode and decided to just go full fucking corn. Definitely some some late heresy world eaters he's posted up. Pretty dope. Pretty dope. I dig it. So in the form of a 3K list, what'd you do for him, Ryan? Well, um, this is what I did. So I got a Praetor with the Ride of War Crimson Path, and I gave him a Thunderhammer, Digital Lasers, and Iron Halo. This is why he's armed that way. So he's wanting to do the Triari. So the main Triari guy, um, what was that guy's name? Anyway, in the book, he's got a uh, meteor hammer, mm-hmm. but a meteor hammer rules wise is just not really up to par for something you would give a praetor. So I just, in the rules, gave him a thunder hammer, but you would model it as a meteor hammer, which okay. is just a thunder, which would just be a hammer, but instead of having a haft, would have a chain. I don't think anybody would bitch. No, I would definitely wouldn't. Um, I'm trying to remember what that guy's name was. It's the one that Lotara shot in the face because he abandoned the, the ship that went down to the planet when he's not supposed to do that. Fuck. Anyway, it's in Betrayer. So, yeah. second HQ choice is Gowan Surlac because he wanted Gowan Surlac. Uh, for troops, it's 19 tactical marines with bolt pistol chain axe. Uh, Sergeant has artificer armor power fist. For the second troop choice, it's the exact same unit. Um, for the... F- the uh, for an elite choice, it's uh, nine terminators, uh, just normal cataphracty terminators. Uh, five of them have power fist, three of them have uh, chain fist, and the sergeant has a power fist. Uh, for the first elite choice, it's th- it's a one unit, like one selection of apothecaries, and there's three apothecaries in that detachment of apothecaries. Um, they all three apothecaries have artificer armor, chain axe, bolt pistol. Um, for his sec, for his third elite slot, I took a contemptor dreadnought with dual chain fist and dual uh, melta guns built into the chain fist. I figure that's like pretty brutal, pretty world eatery. I don't know what his guns were actually armed with. He just said chain fist, so I just did melta guns. I, he can put whatever he wants in there. Um, for his fast attack, I took a unit of um, nine uh, rampagers because uh, he wanted those. Uh, I didn't know what weapons to arm him with, so I gave the sergeant a power weapon and artificer armor, and I gave the other guys all twin falx blades, but I believe all of the... World Eater cadre weapons all cost the same, so I just gave him all twin Falx blades, but he can arm them however he wants. It's going to be the same points, however he decides yeah, to do it. Yeah, it's all the same points. Yeah. Uh, for the next two fast attack choices, I took Anvilus Dreadclaws, so two Anvilus as just fast attack choices. And then for heavy support, I took three Charybdis Dreadclaws, three Charybdis Assault Claws. And then for Lord of War, I took a Suborbital Strike Wing with a Crusade Avenger Strike Fighter. So what happens is your nine Terminators and your and Gal and Serlac, 
go into a Charybdis. And then your two giant tactical squads with attached apothecaries go into the other two Charybdises. And then the uh, nine Rampagers and the Praetor... Or sorry, it's only eight Rampagers, my bad. So the eight Rampagers, the Praetor, and the third apothecary uh, go in the other Anvilus. And then obviously the flyer's on its own. So you're going to have three Charybdises and two Anviluses. Um, and everything in the army but the uh, Dreadnoughts have Feel No Pain. So when you land down in the enemy's deployment zone, it all goes up by plus one. So Gal and Surlac with the Terminators will be a, a three-up Feel No Pain because he gives a four-up and it goes to a three-up. And then the two big tactical squads and the Rampagers with your um, Praetor in it will all be four-up Feel No Pain. That's pretty difficult to kill. That's pretty difficult to kill. Yep. And it's... He wanted the Triari, which are supposed to be shipboarding specialists, so once again, I'm stuck using Anvilus Dreadclaws. We've talked about that a million times. I know you like to make fun of me for putting them in there, but people keep asking for lists this is the that one require time, them. The one time I made fun of you for making for taking Anvilus, <laughs> and, and now it's... I know how you like to always make fun of me. You, you, <laughs> you sent me an Anvilus in the mail, jokingly. Well... <laughs> Tell you what, I'm not fucking putting up with it anymore. You can write your own list. I'm fucking out. <laughs> Zit done. <laughs> God damn it. I can't remember the name. Delvaris. Delvaris is the Praetor I designed. That's the guy's name. He's the pit champion of the world eaters. That fucking, that chunk deuce left the ship. And then, yep. so they had to go wake up all the fucking dreadnoughts to defend the ship. Yeah. So I felt like this was very... It, it put all the models that he wanted in the list, and it feels very much like what he wanted. He, he wanted something that was shipboarding guys, he wanted it to represent the Triari, and he wanted to use certain models, and he wanted... So I fit all of that in the list and fit the fluff he was wanting to use. These guys can get to another ship using their Anvilus. This will also would like describe how they made Planetfall... Like yeah, like yeah. There's like a lot of things that this uh, this covers. Yeah, it's a very fluffy, and also I think it's a very competitive list as well. It's a, uh, it's got every element that you should have in World Eaters: hard hitting, quick. It can take care of infantry, it can take care of tanks, and then also your guys are going to be pretty much hopped up on the hopped up on the nails because they're just going to be uh, feeling no pain. They're not going to give you giving any fucks. So. It's a cool list. It's a cool list. I would like to see that played in person. I dig it. Good job, Ryan. So next up, a list comes from Chris. Chris says, Hi, guys. Greetings from the UK. I've started listening to your podcast after hearing the guys on Geno 5.2. I'm working through all your previous episodes, and it's been great hearing your thoughts on all the 30K, including your views on people's list. I was wondering if you could take a look at a list I was thinking to run for an event at the end of the month. It'll be a tournament event, and whilst I'm more in 30K for the fun and fluff, I'd like to stand a reasonable chance against the players of my local club who are better at the game than I am. Real quick. So, whenever I was in 7th uh, grade, 
I had a teacher mis- named Miss Thurkill, and you're probably like, this has nothing to do with Warhammer or anything like that. I just get pissed off every time I read the word whilst because I included it in a paper. And uh, whenever she was talking to us about our papers, this was a, like a science class. I can't remember what science class. It was seventh grade, so it wasn't like a real science class that mattered. I think it was like biology or something stupid. But uh, so anyway, so I used the word whilst in my paper that I wrote. Now this time I was already like, we were already playing Warhammer, Warhammer fantasy and all this stuff. And I was reading, uh, um, I was reading the red wall series. So like, I was really like reading a lot of English stuff. And then I was also reading, uh, like that was, I thought that was actually Brian Jakes, but he included like a lot of English stuff in there. And then I was like reading, uh, I think at that, t- at that time I was reading that book necromancer, if I remember correctly. But there, there was like a lot of uh, UK books that I was that I was really diving into, a lot of Black Library stuff, and uh, I used the word whilst in my paper that I wrote. And whenever it came down to her talking to us about our papers, she said that there was obvious um, there was obvious uh, plagiarism in our papers. And she said in front of the class, she said um, she goes like. Like most of y'all, like none of y'all would use the word whilst in your actual paper. Uh, so that was a pretty blatant sign of uh, plagiarism. And when she said that, I was like, I know for a fact I use the word whilst in my paper. Like I know, and I'm only in seventh grade and I'm like, she's, she's like, she's low key calling me out right now. And uh, she ended up giving me a zero on that paper and said that I had plagiarized and all that. And really, like, this was before the time of, like, the internet or anything like that, like, where I was, like, really, you know, using, the, like, I was, the only thing I would use the internet for is, like, to actually research something. This wasn't, like, when you could, like, buy shit off the internet, like, uh, papers or anything like that. So she, she blatantly gave me a zero, and I definitely 100% did not plagiarize that paper. And it still bothers me, like, to this day. Like, I didn't say anything when I was a kid, because, like, I was a child at the time, and, like, there was no way that I was going to, like, stand up to the teacher and be like, bitch, fuck you, I did not plagiarize this paper, blah, 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 blah. Like, I didn't say anything at the time, but every time I see the word, the word whilst, because I, I, like, like, I'm traumatized from that fucking word because my seventh grade teacher gave me a zero on an assignment, and for the rest of the year, she thought that I was just, like, this fucking plagiarizing kid, and, like, fuck you, Mr. Kill, like, fuck you, I don't know where you're at now, I hope, like, you got hit by a car or something but you like ruined writing for me like for the for my entire life like i hate you <laughs> fucking to this day i hate you so anyway deep. i wrote alpha legion loved how they're portrayed in the <laughs> <laughs> legion and a lot of what i have is based on the calf and prospero sets i won't have a time i won't have time before the event to get anything else but if you have any suggestions on Strong but fluffy units would be a good a good next purchase. That would be great. So far, my collection is Alpharius, Dynat, a Praetor Centurion Tataris armor, Praetor Centurion Cataphracti armor, Praetor Power Armor, a Chaplain, a Power Armored Command Squad, Terminator Command Squad, six Lanaran terms with Chain Fist, Contemptor Mortis with twin assault cannons, three Contemptor Dreads with magnetized weapons, three ten man tactical squads with power fist and combat weapons, ten man recon squad with sniper rifles. 10-man tactical squads with additional combat weapons, 5-man support squad with plasma guns, 20-man seeker squad with a couple of combat weapons in each, 10 havies with missile launchers, Land Raider Phobos, Whirlwind Scorpius, Typhon, 3 Rhinos. So, what kind of list did you write, my boy Chris over here, who uses that fine, fine word? (laughs) 
So I wrote him a uh, Pride of the Legion list just to make use of the models he uh, had. Uh, so what we ended up with was Armillus Dynat with the Pride of the Legion Ride of War. Um, then for troops, I got 10 uh, veterans. Uh, the sergeant has Artificer Armor, Combi Weapon, Power Fist, Power Dagger, and they're in a Rhino. Uh, then I have that same identical squad a second time. Then for the third troop's choice, I have five uh, Cataphracty Terminators. Uh, four, the they all five have Volkite. Um, three of them have Power Fist. One of them has a Chain Fist. And then the sergeant has a Chain Fist and Power Dagger on top of his Volkite Charger. So this is basically repurposing his Lanaran models, or Lernaian models. And they take a dedicated uh, Land Raider Phobos with Dozer Blade and Armored Ceramite. Then I took uh, five Tactical Support Marines for the... Uh, fourth troop choice and they just all have plasma guns and no other upgrades and they're going to use Dynat's ability to just deep strike because he gives one unit in the army the ability to deep strike so it'll be them um, then for elites I have a Contemptor Mortis Dreadnought with dual carries assault cannons and then for heavy support I have uh, 10 uh, missile marines with the sergeant with artificer armor and augury scanner and then for the second heavy support choice I have a whirlwind scorpus. So this basically just uses all of his models that he currently owns to the best of their ability in my opinion. You'll be able to drop those plasma guys down and they're immediately going to be able to benefit from Dynat's ability and their plasma guns essentially drop to AP1 if you shoot a light armor target or whatever or you can shoot them into an infantry unit or anything like that. Um, the veterans can roll up in the Rhino, and you would most likely give them marksmen so they can outflank uh, or um, or whatever. You give them weapon master if you want them to fight in close combat better, whatever. But he's got a bunch of tactical marines armed as if they were vets, but they're not vets. You're just going to get more, you know, mileage out of vets. We talk about it all the time. If you don't have to take tactical marines, don't take them. Um, I mean, that's pretty much it. His anti-air is the 10 heavy support marines with the... Oh, no, never mind. I thought they had flak missiles, but they don't. So, Whirlwind Scorpius is a solid choice. I mean, for a 2,000-point list, this is going to be a uh, a solid army. And I believe it's Dynat and his, and his unit get to deep strike, right? It's not just he chooses a unit. Is it the same as Pollux, or is he and his unit? I can't remember. He he chooses a unit. It's just like Pollux. Okay, so he can't he do if he chose them, then he couldn't deep strike with them. He doesn't. So get I to, guess yeah. what you would. Okay, so I I didn't take that into consideration. So I guess what you would need to do is just drop a single veteran out of the uh, veteran tacticals and just throw Dynat in one of the rhinos with the veterans. So you could do that, or you could attach him to heavy support marines. I don't know why you would. I'd I definitely put him with the uh, vets and a rhino. Dynat really changes like the composition of the list by like, like immediately makes plasma guns, melted guns, everything like that, and the enemy deployment zone makes him so much better. So Dynat's yep. just and then, fucking solid go to. And then I I kind of set the army up where he could. Uh, the veterans all have melted bombs. I think I forgot to add that. Um, because the veterans all have melt bombs and the sergeants have power fist, even if you chose machine killers, it's still good. Like, cause you get to, uh, 
you know, add plus one, so you're basically using strength nine melt bombs and strength nine power fists, so they're good at killing super heavies in close combat. So, um, and then you could also go tank hunter with them, uh, with the mutable tactics. So all that's that's just the way Alpha Legion play. You'll be able to choose the 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 uh, veteran tactics for these two veteran squads, and then I kind of set the army up where really any of the mutable tactics will work. I like it. So. It's a pretty straightforward list, too. I mean... Yeah. And it's it's all the models he has. If he wanted to, um, he could... Because this list was 190, and he's going to be dropping a veteran, which was, I think, they're 12 points. So it would free him up there. If he wanted to drop something... If he's not opposed to taking the Volkite Chargers off those Terminators, you could put flak missiles on the... 10 heavy support marines and, and have decent anti-air too. So, but that's up to him. Mm, I would. You're going to, I mean, it's their dual use. I I don't yeah. really, yeah. I would. Yeah. I was just trying to build it out of the models he had without changing literally anything. So everything that I put in the list that I wrote for him, he, he has literally all the stuff to do it. What a good guy. What a great guy. So give that a try, buddy. So next list on the list is going to be... This is going to come from Scratch the Squatch. Howdy, Scratch the Squatch from here from Canada. Okay, Scratch, check this out. Before we go any further, like... I know what Squatch means. Like that means Sasquatch. That's like a. That's like a. a, a uh, that's like a in the know word for Sasquatch hunters. Just Squatch. Like I get it. All right. So obviously you've got some ties to Sasquatch, or maybe you have some stories of a Sasquatch, and you're in Canada. So obviously there's something, some sort of story hidden in there that you're not telling, or you. What I'm getting at is I know that you know a little something, something about Sasquatch or the Yowie as uh, people in the Southern Hemisphere call it. So I'm kind of wondering, before we even get into your list, I'm going to have a request for you. I want you to pause the podcast, and I want you to go ahead and take your phone, and I want you to record a Squatch story, and I want you to go ahead and send it in to us. That way, we can go ahead and play something out. Like, I definitely want to hear this Squatch story that I know you have in there. Like, don't even pretend you don't, because I know it's there. Even if you have to make one up. Like, go ask your uncles and your dads or something like that. Like, go go find out. But I know there's a Squatch story in there that you have to share with this podcast. So, anyway, I'll continue on. I love your Army List Reviews now, and I have one for you. At the end of May, I'm going to the third annual For the Children Charity Tournament. Basically, it's a bunch of nerds in Calgary getting together and playing games to raise money for a local school to upgrade their playground. Oh, that's fucking nice as shit. Nice, dude. I want to take my Iron Warriors, but I can't decide what to paint to take to the event. I have the core of my list painted, and I need to settle on my final list soon so I can be closer and bring a fully painted army. After the list, I'll include a list of other units that I have that I could switch to. Feel free to make any alterations within my model list. I've based my list around the Iron Fire Rite of War, but I'm not stuck on it. Thanks for the quality podcast, guys. And so... I could read this list off, Ryan, or 
do you just want to go? Um, I'll just go if you want. Okay. I'm wearing Michael out with all these lists, trying to get them all wrapped up so I don't have no loose ends. No loose ends, Sons of Horse says. No, you're not wearing me out. I'm looking at this For the Children have charity tournament. Um, let me see. Scratch. I bumped my phone and I dropped the... Here we go. Scratch. So what I switched... Uh, so I took... This is all... I used all models he has, by the way, because he wrote the list and then he has extra models that he has. So I used only models that you own. You won't have to go out and buy anything. So it's a Warsmith with the Iron Fire Rite of War. And the Warsmith is armed with a Thunder Hammer and an Iron Halo. A Siege Breaker in Cataphractic Terminator armor with a Chain Fist. Uh, for troops, it is 10 Tactical Marines. The Sergeant has Artificer Armor Power Fist, and they are in a Rhino with a Pinnel Mounted Multimelta. I took an identical squad to that, so two Tactical Squads armed that same way. For Elites, I have five Cataphractic Terminators. Two of them have Power Weapons. Two of them have Chain Fist, and the Sergeant has a Power Weapon. You, he just said he had cataphracty with various weapons, so I didn't know what various weapons meant, so that's how they're armed. He can decide. Uh, they have a dedicated uh, Spartan with armored ceramite and dozer blade. The Warsmith will ride in the Spartan with them. Um, for the second elite choice, I took uh, two a, a unit of two quad mortars that are just upgraded to phosphex, so they have the normal rounds and phosphex. And then for the third elite slot, it's another battery, exactly the same. So another two quad mortars and a unit with phosphex. Uh, for heavy support, I have uh, an artillery tank squadron with basilisk. So it's two, and it's two basilisk in that squadron. And then for the second heavy support s slot, it's a, a whirlwind scorpius. And then for the third heavy su support slot, it is ten. Tyrant Siege Terminators. And the Siege Breaker will go with them to give them Tank Hunter. Fucking brutal. So, that's it. And that's <laughs> Iron Fire. <laughs> how would you play that? Like, how would... I mean, it's... Well, I, I kinda... you take the... You, I would slowly march... I would just start the Siege Tyrants on foot, kind of make a line of them, just slowly march them forward. Mm-hmm. Um, while laying down missile fire, and then if you get close enough to assault something, do it. And then I would just lay down, you know, a bunch of fucking blast markers with uh, the uh, iron fire. The uh, yeah, with the basilisk. You got the basilisk, the scorpius, and the two rapier batteries to drop a bunch of markers and pie plates and all that shit. And then you're just gonna rush forward with the two rhinos and the Spartan with the terminators to try to grab objectives and then they become uh, I think fearless or whatever when they get within six inches of the counters and all that shit yeah oh the oh. the tactical squads have nuncio voxes too I forgot about that <laughs> yeah which Very guides cool. in the artillery yeah. classic iron fire list is maxing out on the barrage um, I dig it I like it. I always like watching Iron Fire List. I think it's always like, one of those fun things. Uh, <laughs> so this is actually pretty cool. I'm looking at the information for the uh, the tournament that he's going to be taking this to, that children's charity. 
and it's pretty badass because they basically got an assault marine who's clearly eight foot tall has this child in his arm who's like a five foot maybe six foot child and he's like jumping away with his pistol like shooting down like saving this kid it looks like a a a death guard not a death guard a a death watch marine like saving this kid like jumping away (laughs) it's fucking it's crazy man The, the art's so cool for this for the children charity tournament uh, I'll go ahead and read this off as well. I'll go ahead and add it to the list of events uh, here in a little bit. Uh, but it does, like, they've got, I mean, they're going to have Infinity, Guild Ball, Age of Sigmar, 40k, 30k, Warm Hordes. And uh, so that's pretty cool. That's it's The artwork just cracked me up because it's like the Space Marine saving this child. And you know that, like, the thrust from the Space Marines, like, a, like his jump pack is going to, like, kill this kid before he even lands that happened like, in oh. master of mankind to the <laughs> night pilot chick i don't know if you've read that or not yet there's a blood I angel am. assault marine saves a saves a night pilot and he like grabs her up and then like flies with his jump pack and it like breaks a bunch of her bones just from like him flying around and landing without her like being augmented or in power armor that's exactly what i was thinking was ha- gonna happen to this child like there's there's no way for him to like like turn down his thrust or anything like it's like always open like and i'm just thinking to myself this poor child is not gonna even realize what's gonna happen to him like save me the spacer's like gotcha just liquefied this child in his arms oh no but anyway solid event though good for you guys building a playground like it like a lot that's a huge event to build a playground i'm glad that y'all can get something like that together so, anyway, so that's it. That's it for list, Ryan. That's that's all of it. There's one more, unless you which don't want to do it. Which list is this? The Music City Heresy one, the Brad Given. How did I miss this one? It's an Imperial Fist list. Oh, we must have went right over it. Oh, sorry. I want to do it because it's for Dave Sampson's event, and I wanted to bring up his event. We also... It's a couple weeks away. Powerful Dave Sampson and Joe Curtis. Brad Given. Brad Given is his name, and the it's the list for Music City Heresy. No important note. I said this before. Okay. Hi, love the show. I'm planning on going to the TNT event in May as my first real Heresy event. I previously played at Gen Con last year with Ryan's friend Austin, but we only had four people. It was great fun though, and we got plenty of passerby's asking about the game. Anyway, I was wanting some advice about the list I should take. I have a 1,500-point list, but the event calls for an additional 2,000 and 2,500-point list as well. I'll provide my list of approximately what I have finished and then what I have built but not painted. And maybe you can give me some advice about what to add. No real demands other than I'd like to run my Templars. And don't at all feel any need to use this on the show if you don't want to. It's probably a way more dry email than you're used to. Uh... So before he gets into this, and before we get into his Templars, did you watch that Hell's Breach fucking uh, fan art, that fan YouTube thing, where they took no. uh, Hell's Reach? You didn't watch it? No. Was there a reason why you didn't watch it? Because you're salty yes. at Games Workshop right now? Yes. Oh, why so would I watch good. it? It's so good. It's so good. I feel like you're going to go watch it, and you're like, just kidding, I'm back. <laughs> nah, I'm all right. I'm good. Okay. Anyway, it was solid. It was fucking solid. So, first off, here's my proposed 1500 point list Imperial Fist, 
uh, HQ, Chaplain, Artificer, Armor, Boarding Shield, Melted Bombs, Power Axe. He joins the Templar Squad. It is a leech choice. He has a Legion Apothecary who also joins the Templar Squad. Then he's got a Contemptor Mortis Dreadnought with Twin Carries, Pattern Assault Cannons. And then he's got eight Templar Brethren. Eight of them have Combat Shields. The Chapter Champion with Solarite Power Gauntlet. A dedicated Land Raider Phobos with Armored Ceramite, Dozer Blade, and Multimeltas. Then under his Troop Choice, he has a 10-man Tactical Marine Squad with Legion Vexilla. Tactical Sergeant with Artificer Armor, Power Fist, and Kami Melta. A dedicated Legion Rhino with Dozer Blade and Multimelta. And an additional Tactical Squad. Uh, under his Heavy Support, he's got a Legion Heavy Support Squad. Five of them have Heavy Bolters. Sergeant with Artificer Armor with an Artillery Scanner. Sorry for the change of text size here. I'm doing this on my phone, different programs. So the list simply drives forward under some covering fire. I'm opening to swapping out whatever arms I can on the dread, see below, or switching a heavy support squad to a rapier battery of some kind instead. Anyway, here's the really boring part, a list of what I have for my fist. So he's got a whole bunch of shit for his fist, which I will yep. not read off. So long story short, what should I finish painting to make a 2,000 to 2,500 point list? Thanks for any advice you can give. And again, if... Whoa. If... This is less than compelling. Feel free not to use it. Really, I just want a list guidance. I'm currently thinking about going Pride of the Legion in my larger list, keeping my general idea of having a small fire base in my deployment and driving out to take objectives as needed. Ultimately, I want to build a little something like Sigismund's forces sallying forth during the Siege of Terra to fight Chaos Champions. But we aren't there in the fluff yet, and I'm not sure if I should bring you Siggy to my first event. Thanks for any help, Brad. So what did you do? Okay, so what we did, I'm going to do, because I wrote a 1,500-point list for him. Okay. And then I wrote a 2,500-point list for him. And then he can bridge the gap. with He can do his own 2,000-point list, but it'll give him what he has now and what he needs to paint to get to 2,500, and then he can write his own list at 2,000. So for 1,500, it's pretty close to what he has, but I did make some changes. So I did a chaplain with a power axe for his Crozius. Artificer Armor, Melta Bombs, Boarding Shield. Same as he had. For the, a second HQ, though, I took a Delegatus, and the Delegatus is just a dude with a Solarite Power Gauntlet. Um, in his list of models, he has a what, Artificer character with Fist and Sword. So, boom, there you go. So, that's going to be this Delegatus guy. Uh, Fair enough. Then, for troops, because you have a Delegatus, you can uh, take uh, Pride of the Legion. So, that's what I did. So then for troops, I took uh, 10 veteran tactical marines for the first uh, troop slot. The sergeant has artificer armor, uh, combi melta, power fist, and they're in a rhino with a pedal mount and multi-melta. For the second troop's choice, I took an identical unit. Uh, so that's just two troops. For elites, I took six Templar brethren. Um, the chapter champion in that squad has a Solarite Power Gauntlet. The other guys have, all have combat shields, so it's basically just like his unit, only slightly smaller. Um, they are in a Land Raider Phobos with Dozer Blade Armored Ceramite. Um, for the second Elite Choice, I took a Contemptor Mortis with two carries Assault Cannons. And then for heavy support, I took his uh, five-man squad of dudes with heavy bolters with the Sergeant having Artificer Armor and Augury Scanner. So that's his 1,500-point list. So it's pretty similar. I just upgraded the... I, fit, I dropped a couple Templars to get the points to throw in a Delegatus to then make his tactical squads veteran squads because at 1,500 points, you're going to get far more use out of them and they're going to have far more utility 
because the problem at, at low points, you run into where it's a very paper, rock, scissors environment because you don't have enough points to build a good all-comers list. You're going to end up deficient in one area. So veterans will cover more blind spots than normal tacticals will. So I thought it was important to get those guys in because it allows you to switch between veteran tactics and kind of, you know, right there at the table side, plug holes in your smaller point list. So that was the thought there. So that's the 1500 point version of the list. So at 2500, um, I have the same chaplain as an HQ. Instead of that Delegatus that we just talked about, I just drop it entirely and put Sizigmund in. Um, for troops, I have the, the two veteran squads from the other list totally unchanged. So just the two veteran squads and rhinos with multi-meltas. Um, the sergeants have artificer armor, combi weapon, power fist. The other guys just have bolters. Um, for a third troop slot, I have five cataphract determinators. Two have power fist, two have chain fist. The sergeant has a power fist. And they're in a Land Raider Phobos with Dozer Blade and Armored Ceramite. And then for the fourth and final troop choice, I have six veteran, tacti uh, veteran tacticals. Um, five of them have Combi Meltas. And one of them has a Melta. So the Sergeant has a Combi Melta. Um, four normal guys have Combi Meltas. And then one guy has a Melta Gun. Uh, what did they... I think I messed that up. Um, like, they're like. they're in a sorry they're in a rhino. Uh, sorry, I just didn't add the rhino. So anyway, they're they're riding around in a rhino. Uh, then for elites, um, I have uh, his eight Templar brethren, just like he had in his original list. Uh, seven of them have combat shields. The champion has a solar power gauntlet, and they have a dedicated. Uh, Land Raider Phobos. I just realized I duplicated his list. These Templars become troops because of Sizzlemond. That's the reason I put Sizzlemond in the list. So even though I'm reading them off as elites, you have troop slots. You will want to shift them to troops, obviously, so they score. So Heck yeah. do that all day. Um. So then, so so they're going to be as sorry as final troop choice. Sorry about that. That was just a copy and paste error that I made. Um. For So now, for his first elites, I have the Contemptor Mortis with the dual carries, just like the other list. Um, for his second elite's choice, I have a battery of one, a single quad mortar, just a normal quad mortar unupgraded. And then for the third and final elite's choice is another single quad mortar, just unupgraded, just a quad mortar. And then I left his uh, five heavy support marines from his previous list. With the heavy bolters, so I feel like it's very Imperial Fist. Um, he gets to fit Sizzleman in there. He kept his Templars in there. Um, so basically, in this bigger version, you got the heavy bolter Marines and the quad mortars and the mortis dreadnought laying down covering fire, and then you're going to drive forward with the Templar brethren and the Phobos, the Terminators and the Phobos, and the three veteran squads and Rhinos, kind of drive forward. So it's kind of a combination of like. Rhino Rush with Templar Brother and Terminators, Veterans with a little bit of covering fire. There's a lot of bolt guns in the army. It's very Imperial Fist. I love the idea of uh, Templar Brethren rushing out of a Land Raider. Like, especially a Phobos. It's very fucking cool. It's a fucking cool idea. The The reason I, uh, not that anybody cares, but just a little Easter egg. The, the reason I messed up the Veterans and paused there 
is what happened was I originally had Pollux in the list and the veterans were going to use his rule to deep strike. And then I swapped it back out for um, Sigmund and then forgot to add the Rhino to these guys to, um, so Because they're no longer deep striking, obviously. That's what happened. Oops. Anyway. So that's it. That so is it. the last list that Ryan ever does in the show. Nope. I got to nope. do Tristan's list. Got one more list. Got Tristan's list. So I don't know that I'll be reading it off, but it will be done. A deal's a deal. <laughs> well, rock and roll. Don't have anything else to add. I mean, we're going to go to a musical break and then go to some events that need some shouting out. But, uh, Ryan, this definitely isn't going to be the last time that we're going to talk to you on this show. We're still going to have to have some Break the Glass episodes we're going to have you on. And, uh, why? Well, like, like I, we talked about this before so people know. I, I still, I, like I, I alluded to earlier, we'll, just, we'll make this the official goodbye. I'll try not to get sappy here. <laughs> I I really, really uh, love the community. I'm going to really honestly miss um, playing game, like games of 30K with a lot of guys. Um, I will still be at events and running around. Like If I, if I see you at Adepticon every year, you're still going to see me there. Um, I just won't be playing um, in any of the, the GW stuff, but I will still, like I love the Grang Legion guys. Like If they're still going to run events and do shit, I'll probably still bring them cookies and walk around the tables and, you know, anybody that I recognize, shake their hand, talk to them, catch up to them a little bit. Um, and that's going to go for pretty much every event. Um, I'm, uh, I, I like all the battle foam guys. So you'll, you'll see me hanging around the battle foam booth a lot of the time. And, uh, I'm hoping to get pretty deep into dark age, like we talked about. So you can always right now, the plan is you should be able to walk over to the dark age tables and, Maybe see me playing some Dark Age, hanging out. Um, I'm hoping that Mike will allow me, Michael will allow me to come on all the Break the Glass episodes. I'm literally willing to do any of them that you want to do. Um, so uh, that would be fun. I mean, I, I feel like I've had more fun doing those. I mean, I had fun doing this show, and I love all the voicemails that we've gotten, all the support. Um, it's just so cool, man. I mean, when we, when we started this. I mean, you guys had already started it, but when I jumped on, it was, um, you know, smaller. It's definitely a lot bigger now. Oh, um, yeah. We got got the, the patron shit. We got just so much, man. It's just grown so much. It's really cool. I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't really know what to say. Like, it, it sucks that it is what it is, but I just, um, it's just not, not fun for me anymore. I wish there was another... I wish we hadn't put all our eggs in the heresy basket. I wish this was more of like a general gaming podcast or something. <laughs> but it is what it is. And, uh, you know, everybody listens is obviously 30K. I'm not going to sit around and be a fucking sourpuss and poison the show and ruin it. That wouldn't be fun for me, and it wouldn't be fun for anyone listening to the show. Uh, if you miss my rants and crazy talk, 
uh, I've been, I checked out a couple of their episodes are pretty fucking funny and they say some silly shit. And for me, it hits home on a lot of things is the outer circle guys, their YouTube channel. I don't know if you've listened to any of their shit, uh-huh. uh, but they're pretty, they're, they're pretty funny. So if you miss any of that, if you like that element of people shitting on games workshop, definitely go check them out. Um, you don't have to worry about me doing it anymore. At least not on a podcast. Um, <laughs> If I decide to, you know, do another uh, podcast or, uh, you know, for a different game system or whatever, I'll definitely, you know, let Michael know. And if you guys are interested in that game or whatever, um, definitely come check it out. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm really going to miss this. So I'm definitely going to look to feel the podcasting void in my life because I've really grown to like it. Um Plus my wife, it was nice enough to buy me all this, you know, fancy equipment to do it. Um, <laughs> I feel like we've tried to put out a really solid, you know, product every week. I, I didn't ever try to cut corners. I tried to always work really hard and um, come up with new cool ideas and things to do for you guys. And I don't know, just, you know, put out something quality. And I think we did a good job of that. Definitely, man. You are going to be missed, buddy. Of course, you and know. I'm, we're still, it's not like you're dying, so I like, still going right. to have you. <laughs> so, yeah, it is what it is. Uh, anybody who wants to uh, get in contact with me, I'm I'm relatively sure Michael's not going to strip me of my email privileges. So no. you'd probably still email me at ryan at warhammer30k.com. Um, I'm not... Uh, so psychotic that I'm worried about having an email with Warhammer in the name. Uh, <laughs> you can also uh, find me on Facebook, Ryan Kimmel on Facebook. Um, I'm also still um, in the patron chat. So if you guys ever, like the people that are our current patrons now will still obviously be able to talk to me. Like, And I'm still in there. Like if they uh, want to just talk about general hobby show i mean we you know most of that's just bullshitting anyway it's not really i mean there is 30k stuff and whatever involved but a lot of it's even just general hobby stuff like painting stuff and you know i i'll definitely still help with that and answer questions and all that um so yeah it's 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 really not a tremendous amount changing i guess so if you still like the show or if you if you like the show definitely keep listening michael's still going to do it uh, he's still the sound quality will get better. You don't have to. You want to put up with me on fucking Skype anymore, so that will definitely improve. Um, you don't have to listen to my fucking nasally voice all the time. That would drive me insane. So you guys don't have to deal with that. Um, <laughs> so yeah, and, and like I said, I'll still be around uh, if you have any general hobby questions or just want to get in contact, bullshit or whatever. Uh, that's pretty much it. I think I covered everything. Well, Ryan, it's been a pleasure, buddy. Like I said, it's not yep. like you're dying or anything, but nope, definitely we're still going to talk. Hopefully, don't be a stranger. I still plan on talking to you every week, so we don't get to do this podcast anymore. So you're going to have to fucking call me on your way home from work every Friday. Oh yeah, no, I'll give you, I'll give you a call. We're still going to stay in contact. Don't you worry about that. And like I said, you're still, gonna still be got able to a flashlight. I still got a flashlight and some mechanics gloves with your dad's name on it. I need to mail them to him. Ooh. Oh, well, he loves his flashlight, so, and he has a new gun to put him on, put that flashlight on, so. 
best of both worlds there but uh so yeah uh i'm not gonna announce the new co-host just yet uh there's a a few changes that and a few things that we need to announce and you'll all be shell-shocked on episode 55 so hopefully uh it'll it'll be shocking and you know you'll get to get to meet a new face and meet a new voice so Ryan, like I said, it's it's been it's been a pleasure, bud. I'm gonna have to do a super cut of all the Ryan stay in your lane for the end of this episode. I'll try and get that knocked out because <laughs> I have all the voicemails and I can just listen to. The I don't know people who didn't go back to the origin of that. That came from fucking Spence Richardson. So shout out to that guy. I don't know if he even listens to our fucking show, but I always enjoy Spence when he's on Eye of Horus. Um, I've never actually like talked to him or met him. Um, we've exchanged Facebook posts. Like I've never even like chatted with him, like Facebook messenger. It's literally just been like, I posted something on Facebook and he's replied or vice versa. But, uh, I don't know. He, I always get a kick out of him when he's on that show. And, uh, he's like some type of like smart, educated person. And I'm a hillbilly. And I said some shit about snakes or whatever that he thought was bullshit. So he said, fuck you, Ryan Kimball, stay in your lane on the eye of horse podcast and it struck me just being fucking funny like i i got a kick out of that and i played it for like my wife and my sister and they liked it so that's <laughs> where that that's the origin of that that's where that came from <laughs> that's so fucking badass so anyway we won't drag this on any longer we'll go ahead and throw some music y'all's way and then you'll hear me come back and there's a few events that i'm gonna go ahead and announce and we'll go over that. So, we'll catch One you last thing. Oh. I'm a mournable member for life. You can't fucking take this shirt from me. I earned it. Even though I don't play, I'm keeping it. So, Tim and Michael, you don't get it back. Um, I'm also still going to remain a closer, regardless of what game I play. Um, I got a fucking Battletech game in three weeks. I'm going to be vigorously painting these models to get them done. So, it rolls on. So. <laughs> oh, it all rolls on. So, right? Do you have a good one, bud? <laughs> you too, Michael.
All right, guys, welcome back. Uh, so we do have some events that we wanted to go ahead and shout out before we uh, before we close out the podcast. Uh, first thing on the list is going to be uh, coming up in a couple weeks. You got the TNT Grand Tournament. Uh, that's going to be May nineteenth through the twenty first. Uh, that's going to be at the Best Western Sunrise Inn, and that's going to be at uh, eight twenty five Murfreesboro Borough Pike, Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, I know that the 30K track is going to be run by our good friend David Sampson over at Black Label Painting and Patreon member Joe Kirkus, so you should be getting a pretty hardcore narrative event there. Uh, $20 gets you access to three days of 30K action. Uh, Saturday, Music City Heresy uh, will be running a narrative track. Friday and Sunday are open gaming, or you can... Open game Saturday if you don't want to play the narrative. It's a 2,500-point event, three-round event, and uh, some of the details are still getting hammered out, but uh, pretty sure you're going to have a good time. Uh, David takes a lot of uh, a lot of love in his hobby, so I'm pretty sure anything that he puts his mark on is going to be a fantastic time, so I'm pretty sure you will have a great time there. All right, so next up on the list, we have the SoCal Open. Uh, so the SoCal App Open is on October 21st and October 22nd. It'll be held at the Del Mar Fairgrounds in San Diego, California. Uh, it's a five-game tournament with three games on Saturday and two games on Sundays. Players should bring 2,500-point list using the Age of Darkness Force organization chart. Uh, multi-bomb is allowed, and the only restrictions are no relics and no shattered legions. So make sure you get your... Uh, Knight army ready and your uh, sweet ass custodes over there. That way you can go wreck house. So, so next up on the list, of course, we got an event that's going down here in Texas, and that's going to be Texacon. So, this is actually an event that's being run by the Lone Star Legion, uh, powerful, powerful Lone Star Legion up in Dallas. And this is going to be July 7th to the 9th. It's going to be held at the Hearst Conference Center here uh, in Hearst, Texas, which is about 20 miles east of Dallas. Uh, The conference center is located only about 15 minutes from Dallas-Fort Worth Airport, and there's lodging available close by. Uh, The event's going to be run Friday evening, all day Saturday, and Sunday morning and afternoon. Friday will be a small tactical strike-style game of 300 points and one HQ and one squad of... GM adventure where your opponent may not be the only danger. Saturday will be a 2,500 point Age of Darkness battle in a fairly standard format. Sunday will be a 3,000 point mega battle alongside more 300 point GM events that will have affected each other's games. The narrative event is based on the Furious Abyss sister ships. The Loyalists will attempt to discover what they can about the construction, and traders will be fighting to oppose them. Uh, this event is going to be a great for veterans and the heresy as well as beginners. The three days will be la carte as you can pick and choose which days to participate in. Players who haven't been able to get a full heresy painted army will be able to participate in the small GM games and influence the larger games while players with large vehicle and super heavy collections can participate in the mega battle. Uh, event registration will be $40 and that includes entry into the con and the event for all three days. Uh, there will be a cap of 30 players. So go check that out, guys. Go check out the Lone Star Legion's Facebook page. It'll have the full event Facebook uh, primer and everything you need to know. Uh, and you can contact directly 
uh, lucas.w.lion, that's L-Y-O-N, at gmail.com, and he can uh, he can direct you if you have any questions on there. Uh, so let me know if y'all have any questions. I can direct them his way as well. Uh, last event we have on the list to shout out is going to be the Invasion of Carolina, Carolina Heresy event. Uh, this is going to be on August 19th at Cruise Road Recreational Center. Uh, Carolina is a war world, a world of great importance to the Imperium. Traitor forces seek to bring under the influence of Horus. The initial assault was led by elements of the 3rd, 4th, and Berserkers of the 12th Legion. They were able to acquire key points on the surface to allow the main invasion force to land. The remaining loyalists on the planet have fortified their positions, preparing for the onslaught of the traitor forces. Okay, so this is going to be a $20 event. Looks like it's going to be 2,500-point list. Uh, these lists must be from the same factions, faction. All participants will require a Horus Heresy army list and a 1,000-point Zone Mortalis list. They need a 2,500-point and a 1,000-point list. So definitely give those guys uh, a try and uh, go check that out. So Sounds good to me, guys. Y'all have a good one. That's going to be all the events. If you have an event you want shouted out, go ahead and email it to michael at warhammer30k.com, and we'll get your event shouted out. Uh, make sure you put as much information in there as possible because uh, I kind of guess on a lot of these. So uh, that's going to be it. Appreciate you guys. Thank you.